Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 103 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is April 23rd, 2018. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is Mr. Jay Totoro. Hello, hello. Happy happy Monday. Yeah, this is weird. So we're recording. We had to push back the recording for a couple days, and uh, Jay is off today, and I work from home, so we decided just to go ahead and record this one during the day. Jay, have you been? I've been good. I think we're going to be in a different uh, different state of mind today. Different state of mind. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. Like, I feel like something about our podcast in particular, I don't feel like it's a podcast that should be recorded in the middle of the day. I can agree with that, especially on a Monday. Yeah, especially on a Monday also. Uh, my daughter had her first, um, like, encounter with rude behavior in an online game. Really? Yeah, she was playing minecraft she was it wasn't just like a regular minecraft server it was like some uh kind of like kind of like a like a uh a base defense type multiplayer game and uh some guy on her team like was like sabotaging their own base and she asked him why he was doing that and he said fuck you (laughs) and it made her cry oh my god i was like she came in she told me what happened i was like you know i was like uh, you know, you just have I was to, asking, what'd you do? I was like, you just have to, I was like, you know, there are some people out there that they just say things just, just to try to like be rude and mean. And they, and he didn't mean it towards you specifically or like he, I guess, he did, I guess. <laughs> I, was I was like, say, I was like, I was like, he doesn't really like mean it. He doesn't like, he, he didn't, he's not like actually, he doesn't hate you specifically or anything. <laughs> there are just people who just say that just to, just to get a reaction out of people. And uh, she was like, I know, but it just really hurt my feelings. And then I tried like so sad. I don't know it was really sad. And uh, then I told her about how when I used to play tribes, I uh, used to get a transport full of people. I was like, you know, I didn't think about how this might mess up other people's day, but I used to get a transport full of people and load everybody up into this little ship, and then I'd crash it into our own base just to see what everybody <laughs> did. And she's like, "Why'd you do that?" <laughs> I was like, "You're like, I was you like, know I just, what? I don't know." <laughs> I was like, I just thought it would be funny, and I wasn't taking other people's feelings into account so that's probably what that guy was doing he was just thought it would be funny and he didn't think that it might be hurting somebody's feelings but she got it took her a few minutes but she got over it eventually but it was kind of interesting to see that first like like innocence broken in online video <laughs> games yeah. you know oh, yeah. she there was uh she first saw the word fuck like a couple months ago and <laughs> she had never heard it before <laughs> and she was playing like, this was also minecraft and I and I hear she like, obviously somebody typed it in their chat, and I I hear her all of a sudden go, fuck, <laughs> fuck, f- fuck, <laughs> fuck, and I was like, <laughs> what are you saying? And she was like, fuck, what does that mean? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and I'm like, that's a that's that's I was like that's actually like a really bad word. And she was like, they're just saying it in here. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I know some people just say bad, bad words for no reason. She's like, oh my gosh. Like she's genuinely shocked by it. That's so funny. So yeah, her innocence is completely being destroyed by video games. Uh, with that in mind, let's talk about some more video games. I was going to say, with that in mind, it's time to talk about some video games i actually played a shitload of video games over the weekend i had it or not over the week it was uh or it was during last week a friend of mine uh one of my best friends that i've known all, ever since growing up came and visited and uh <laughs> we basically like didn't do much besides play video games the whole time so i played a, i've got like 
10 games on my list to talk about over the next oh like gosh. three or four episodes or however many. So, uh, so that was good. Also, I bought the Nintendo Labo. Is it Labo or Labo? Do you know how it's pronounced? I actually do not know. Um, you know what it is though, right? The cardboard yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, we bought, we bought the big giant robot one. Oh and uh, <laughs> it's like, it's actually kind of fun to put together, especially if you have a kid, you know, to do it with. Sure. And it's really impressive how like well made this stuff is. Um, and how like well engineered, like the whole process of putting it, uh, together is and all, but, uh, mm-hmm. we got it. We, we worked on it for, for over the course of two or three days and finally, oh, wow. it took that long. Yeah. It took, it, it take, it took about four hours total to finish putting it together. <laughs> and, uh, we finally finished it. I guess it was, I think it was yesterday and, uh, played it a little bit. And it's like, once you actually start playing the game, it's not quite as fun anymore. <laughs> I thought that, Makes I thought that's. I think the other one, they didn't have the the set that's got like a bunch of little things like the little piano and the fishing pole and like the motorcycle thing and that kind of stuff. They The store didn't have that one, which I think would be more fun. But this one, like the game, I thought there was going to be more to the actual game, but it's just you. It's like a point chasing game, basically, where you're walking around a city and demolishing buildings. And unless there's like something that I haven't, unless there's like another mode that I haven't unlocked yet, there's really not much more to it than that. Uh, as far as like that game goes, there's no like missions or objectives or anything. It's just like smash stuff and get points. You can like do these little sort of like pseudo missions to unlock new abilities. So like there's one where if you do it and you like, you like go into race car mode, basically your robot does. And if you like finish a few laps and kill all like the other racers, then you get like the flight ability or like the airplane ability where you can transform into an airplane in the air, like little things like that. And then there's another mode where it goes into like beatbox kind of mode and you can select the different sound effects for each for like your foot for like your feet. When you like move them, it does one sound and then like your left hand and right hand do different sounds. And then your head, if you move it up and down, does another sound. So you can like make music by like moving your feet and doing your hands and and moving your head around and stuff. Is it pretty responsive? Uh, It's pretty responsive. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it is. Uh, the head, the head motion, I, I feel like it doesn't, well, I had a little bit of trouble getting it to sometimes recognize the head motion, uh, very well, but, uh, overall it's, it's, uh, it, it does work pretty well. So it's kind of fun. It's pretty, it's a little bit limited once you get it built and everything, but, uh, it, it's, it's fun to put together. And I still, I do think the other set, which I haven't bought yet w- w- would be a little bit more fun with like the little, Are you, and you're definitely going to get it. I think I'll probably get it. Yeah. Maybe, not right away, but maybe like in a month or so. That one looks a little bit more interesting. And I thought, I always thought that from the start too, but they just didn't have that one uh, at the store when I went to, to get it. Anything new with you? What you been up to? Anything special? Not a whole lot, to be honest. No. Just kind of relaxing. Join. Join life? Mm-hmm. High on life? A little bit. <laughs> All right, let's talk about news. We actually have a, quite a bit of news this time. Uh, first off, we got Mist. 25th anniversary collection Kickstarter has started and uh, I don't think it's finished yet, but it has, it has, they have reached their goal. This collection is going to have all seven missed games. Wow. Uh, I think there were maybe actually technically six missed games, but then one of then the original was re-released as like masterpiece edition or something like that. So it's got like both versions of the original plus all of the, uh, all of the follow-ups. It's got that. Plus, at different, at various tiers, you can uh, you can get like little artifacts from the like physical, like 
productions of uh, of artifacts from the game. There mm-hmm. are a few different things. One of the main ones is the uh, the linking book, which is kind of like the book with the with the people's that like has the people trapped inside it. Did you ever play Mist? Uh, yeah, a long time ago. Do you remember that book where you like? Where the people talk to you from inside the book? No, I don't actually. Well, it's got the it's got that book as one of the uh is one of the rewards as well. Okay. So according to the Kickstarter, they are not going to ever sell like the book or any of the artifacts outside of the Kickstarter. The collection the 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 collection of the seven games will be sold later, but according to them, uh, you can only get these from the Kickstarter. So so that's going on. And then we have a we have several things announced and pseudo announced coming up. Uh. Mega Man X Legacy Collection is coming to Nintendo Switch. They're going to release all of all eight of the Mega Man X games. Wow. They're splitting it into two collections. I think there's like Mega Man X Legacy Collection 1 and Mega Man X Legacy Collection 2. The first one's going to have like, you know, one through four, and then the second one's going to have the rest of them. Sure. They, uh, they announced that for Switch. Um, Sega has announced the Shenmue Collection coming to... P- Did you ever play Shenmue? No, I didn't. Okay. That's uh that's coming to PS4, Xbox One and PC sometime this year. They didn't say when. I don't think there's a date on the Mega Man Legacy Collection or Mega Man X Legacy Collection either. Uh, I didn't write that down if there was. But um So yeah, the Shenmue Collection's coming to uh coming to PS4, Xbox One, PC. That's going to be $30 sometime this year. Uh SNK, huh? Oh, that's, that's pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> SNK announced a few things also. One is they announced their the SNK. So SNK is they they that's the company who made Neo Geo and like a bunch of the I don't know if they were the own if only SNK made Neo Geo games. I I'm I kind of doubt that's true, but it feels like it seems like every single Neo Geo game I ever saw was actually made by SNK who who were the ones that made the Neo Geo itself. But regardless SNK announced the 40th anniversary collection. Uh, also, this is also for the Switch, and it's going to have. Uh, th- so they haven't released the full list of games that they're gonna have in the anniversary collection, but they have released like a a, a, a partial list. So far, they've said it's gonna have Alpha Mission, Athena, Crystallis, Ikari Warriors, Ikari Three: The Rescue, Guerrilla War, POW, Prehistoric Isle in 1930s. <laughs> Psycho Soldier, Street Smart, TNK3, Vanguard, and Victory Road. Uh, it's kind of interesting because a lot of their main titles are not in that list. Like Samurai, like Sam- and I'm, I say this and watch these not be SNK games, but uh, I'm going to look them up just to make sure. Samurai Showdown and uh, Metal Slug are the ones that kind of, that, that really stand out. I'm sure there are other, uh, yeah, okay, so th- those are, yeah, those are both made by SNK. Sure, there's a couple others that are really major that I'm not thinking of that also aren't on here. So it was kind of weird to see those left off, but at the same time, they haven't re- they haven't announced everything yet, so maybe those will be added. Uh, there's also going to be a uh, a pretty actually pretty nice looking limited edition that's going to have like an art book and you know like a CD and this kind of stuff. No that's release, nice. yeah, that is no release date on that yet either. And also, SNK teased some what appears to be some sort of new hardware. They tweeted something that looked, it looks kind of like a, uh, th- this is the part that's throwing me off a little bit. It looks kind of like a monitor and keyboard, but it's got like a, like a shroud over it, like, like a, uh, like some sort of like blanket over it. So it's some sort of hardware 
that they are sort of teasing. Um, it could be maybe like a TV and a, and a little unit or something like that. Every, everybody's sort of, the, the, the conjecture is that, oh, this is like a Super Nintendo Classic type deal where they're doing a Neo Geo Classic or, you know, like a Neo Geo Mini or something like that with a bunch of uh, Neo Geo games on it. That would be super awesome if that's what they're doing. But we don't know because they haven't said. So basically they just tweeted out this picture and that was basically it. No release date, no release date, no other details. Just like, hey, check this out. So uh, that would be pretty sweet. Now, you know, normally, I didn't think of this beforehand. Normally I would say uh, we could do our next top four is like SNK games that we would want to be on this thing if it exists. But I don't know. Off the, I'll have to look this up. Off the top of my head, all I know is uh, Metal Slug and Samurai Showdown. Well, no, they got, they got King of Fighters. I don't know. Maybe we'll think about that. And, and I guess the problem is a lot of these I hadn't played because Neo Geo was kind of I would be limited. nervous about the same thing from my perspective. Well. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe not. But I would hope that if they did that, then it would have... Um, Samurai Showdown and uh, King of Fighters and Metal Slug. At least some, at least like one of those, like one version of each more of those. Because there were a bunch of yeah. sequels to each. Yeah, more notable ones. I think they had some really, one. I think they had a really good baseball game. I could, if I remember correctly. Anyway, so that may or may not be coming out, but apparently something is. And then uh, finally, we have a uh, little bit of Billy Mitchell controversy. Billy Mitchell... If, uh, if you're unaware, he is the, uh, or he was at one point, the Donkey Kong world record holder. And uh, yes. he was in the movie, uh, King of Kong. He's kind of like the villain, basically like it's a documentary, but he's more or less like, kind of like a villain type dude who's in this competition to get the Donkey Kong high score. He doesn't have the high score. Um, currently that that's kind of been surpassed since, since then, but he does have like some of the high scores, just not the top high score on Donkey Kong. Uh, Twin Galaxies, which is the uh, the website that that kind of uh, or like the organization that tracks all of these high scores on these like super old school uh, video games, particularly arcade cabinets and that kind of stuff. They have removed all of his records. Why? Because basically he got caught cheating. Um, they've they've they were able to confirm. That on some of his submissions for high scores, that they were uh, done using an emulator. Really? And on those, you strictly have to use original arcade cabinet hardware. And he basically said it was an arcade. It was on arcade cabinets and had all this supposed like video evidence backing it up. But some people started looking at it and saw like a whole bunch of really shady and like questionable things, and uh, and then did like some more research into it. And they were able to prove that uh, watching the video that it was from a, 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 an emulator as opposed to wow. arcade hardware. And obviously emulators make it a whole lot easier to, to, to oh, cheat yeah. or, or to like, you know, like save a run and go back if you die and that kind of stuff. Yep, and uh, so they've removed all of his scores. So it's kind of interesting going back and looking at it a, a couple months ago, a guy named Todd Rogers has uh he was in a similar situation somebody found out that a lot like a lot of his scores were bogus as well he had a bunch of high scores with um with twin with twin galaxies as well and people started looking into it and there was this one game for atari called drag race 
And what it is, is you are basically controlling this little car as it goes through all these obstacles and you have to like dodge the obstacles and then get to the end and it's, and it's timed. So like however fast you can dodge the obstacles and get to the end, that's, that's your score is your time. And he had like an impossibly good time that nobody could ever like touch. And then somebody, um, like basically hacked the game and removed all of the obstacles and if the car just goes perfectly straight with no obstacles whatsoever, then it still it still wasn't as good as his time. So it was literally undoable. It was literally undoable. <laughs> so then they looked sort of looking into that, and a bunch of his other uh, submissions were like really questionable as well. And there were ones where like they they didn't have like apparently like no video evidence was sent in for a lot of them, or you know, or like some of them like he actually this guy apparently worked at twin galaxies and some of the some of the scores he just put in himself <laughs> so uh oh my gosh. so so that so he got his stuff removed a couple months ago now that this billy mitchell stuff came in all of billy mitchell's scores are removed and uh billy mitchell's high donkey kong score was verified by this exact guy todd rogers so uh apparently oh like gosh. that's that's part of how he was able to get a lot of these in was he, he was like friends with this guy who would just kind of like do whatever and it's funny um if you watch, if you if you watch King of Kong, there's this one part where Steve Weeby, who is the other guy, who's the other like focus of King of Kong, and he's try, he's kind of like generally the guy that everybody likes. He's he seems kind of like a nice guy, and he uh, he finally beats the, the the Donkey Kong high score. What was the Donkey Kong high score at the time? And then one of Billy Mitchell's friends comes in. He's like, "Hey, I got I got something for you guys," and he like hands him a videotape. <laughs> And it was, it's uh, Billy Mitchell, like, beating that high score even. Like, apparently he had, like, this videotape that he was holding onto just for whenever Steve Weeby got the high score. Oh my gosh. And he had, like, an, like, a super insane high score on it. So, like, they're watching the video and they're like, yeah, he got this high score. But then they were looking at it and there's, like, there's, there's several parts in the video where, like, the score specifically, like, that half of the screen kind of, like, scr- like, scrambles out for a second and then goes back. Or, like, kind of disappears for a second and then, like, and then goes back. And so it looked very, very suspect as to whether this was a legitimate video. But, like, to confirm whether it was real, the, the like, main kind of, like, referee type guy in Twin Galaxies basically called Billy Mitchell. And he was, like, and he, like, asks him about it. And then he pretty much gets off the phone and he's, like, oh, he says it's good. What? <laughs> like, he's, like, yeah, we had a question about this part where it kind of scrambles out. He's, like. Okay. Okay. Like whatever. Like it doesn't. You can't hear specifically what Billy Mitchell says, but he basically waits for him to answer. He's like, "All right, well, I'm gonna go ahead and put the score up then." <laughs> and then he like goes and explains to everybody. He's like, "No, he said it wasn't. Like he said he wasn't cheating or something like that." <laughs> so, so that's really funny. I mean, it's funny even at the time, but especially in retrospect, seeing that. Um, it's just ridiculous. Supposedly, the his highest submitted Donkey Kong score didn't even have any video evidence, and the other ones were were proven to be in a Mame emulator. And 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 <laughs> Billy Mitchell, him, he hired somebody to investigate it. He, he himself hired like an, another person to investigate whether it was uh whether it was real or not. And even that guy said it's a hundred percent fake. What? That's crazy. Yeah, so it has to do with the way the uh, the transition screens are 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 drawn when you go like when you pass a level and the, and then go to the next one. The arcade cabinets draw it in in a very specific way, and Mame emulators do it in a in a different way. That's it's not something that you just that you would just notice playing casually, sure. but if you look at it, it's very obvious. 
and uh, his, uh and of course his do it exactly the meme emulator way that's so crazy so his all of his, his all of his scores are removed from their database and their his scores are also removed from Guinness because he was in Guinness as like the first person to reach a, a million points in a game and mm-hmm. uh and Guinness removed that as well apparently Twin Galaxies is kind of the agency that Guinness uses to verify like video game a lot of these classic video game scores so when Twin Galaxies removed his stuff, then then Guinness removed his stuff from their books as well. Uh, apparently, Billy Mitchell has responded to this, and he said, "I took a short quote from his response." He says, oh, uh, "I've been asked to address things that are rec- that have recently been in the media. The fact of the matter is, now there is a true professional due diligence being done to investigate things that happened as far as 35 years ago in a professional manner, not in a shock jock mentality designed to create hits." We will show that everything that has been done, everything was done professionally according to the rules, according to the scoreboard, the integrity that was set up. So, I, I'm not holding that much hope for Billy Mitchell, but that's, yeah. to his credit, that's what he says. <laughs> that's a decent response, let's be real. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It, it could be a lot worse. It doesn't give us anything, but he's saying, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh <laughs> this like it's really funny going back there were some videos that I, that I looked at and where it's like them supposedly he's like he, he he supposedly beat the donkey kong high score at this one event and then and then like and then right after immediately supposedly like beat then beat the donkey kong junior high score like one right after the other but like the video evidence is hilarious like some of it they show him trading out the uh the the, the boards like the cabinet boards the arcade cabinet boards the the pcbs and the camera like moves away and then goes back and the guy's putting the exact same board back into the machine. <laughs> and then, and then there's, there's this one where like the, the camera comes up and he's like, Oh, we just missed him doing it. <laughs> and he's like, I wish you would have hurried up so you could see me beating the high score. And the guy's like, sorry, I was late. And there, and this other guy, Todd Rogers is with him there as well. And he's like, what was the score? And they're like, Oh, uh, it was, uh, one million, uh, and like they can't remember supposedly what the score was, and they're like, "Well, do you have the tape?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, the tape's in that bag over there." <laughs> so that's like what that's supposedly their proof. Like that was that was what they submitted as proof at, at some point was that video. It's uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. Sounds it, ridiculous. What? <laughs> but it's it's been a fun and eventful week following that that stuff. What uh, do you think the end result is going to be? I mean, I think that's. I think it's over now. I think the end oh. result is is what's happened. His stuff's removed, and I don't. I don't see it going back. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's he says he's doing something to prove that his scores were legitimate. I think he's just talking out his ass, and I kind of feel like that's the last we're going to hear of it. Wow, that's crazy. Thirty five years back. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the games we've been playing. Why don't you go first? I'll take a break from talking because I actually have a... I'm going to do three games this time. Holy shit. So I'm going to... I'll take a break from news and you go... Uh, you you kick us off. Sure. So I actually played two games. Um, one of them I only played a very short time so far. But uh, the first one I was... A, I talked about Pokemon Silver or Gold, I think, uh, previously in the podcast like a year ago. But uh, recently one of my friends started getting into doing uh, these Nuzlocke runs or Nuzlocke runs, however people say it. What's that? And it's essentially... It's essentially a run that is is designed to be a little bit more difficult. You can only there's certain parameters on which Pokemon you can catch, 
And when a Pokemon faints, it instantly gets removed from your character. So if a Pokemon dies, it pretty much dies for good. It's called Nuzlocke? Yeah, it's like N-U-Z-L-O-C-K. Oh, I see it. Is it so yeah. is, this, is, this, yeah. is this like a ROM hack or is it like self-imposed rules? You can do either or. I, I'm playing one that has a ROM hack, so the game actually does everything for you, which is pretty nice. But people do just impose them on themselves. And there's like rules people put in place. It's like you catch the first Pokemon you run into in a new territory and only that Pokemon. Okay. Um, and if they die, then you lose them. Yeah. Lose them so, which, which, it's funny. Sorry, real Say quick. Wh- sorry. But which, which, which Pokemon is that? Are you doing this on? Silver for okay. uh, Game Boy Color. Okay. And it, it's funny because you forget like you start getting comfortable because you're just like trashing things left and right and one of the one of the odd mechanics of pokemon is when you're critically hit your lever level differential or stats really don't matter the crit does the crit damage so mm-hmm. if you're like seven or eight levels above a creature and it crits you it's going to hit you for a lot of damage and okay. if you're getting greedy which which is what i did a couple times i've already lost two pokemon two two pokemon that i was like oh. spending the entire time leveling i know and it's it's really frustrating like it you, you you get to a certain point where you actually have to restart because you've used so many of the <laughs> trainers out in the world and all of the gym battles and it's like wasted experience and you're too far behind. Like otherwise you're just gonna be grinding low level areas for an extended period of time. Like it's actually faster. It almost feels faster to restart. Like, right. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's it's a very difficult thing, but it, it adds it adds a fun element to it and it makes you be a little bit more strategic about, you know, how you're building your Pokemon, what items you're doing, which areas you go to first. Mm-hmm. It it's been pretty fun so far. And Pokemon Silver I talked about before is is one of, one of my favorites of of the Pokemon series. Oh, is it? So it's like, yeah, I really like Silver. It's one of the one of the only ones that I one hundred percented. What makes it better than the other ones? I don't know. I think it was just the time, to be honest with you. I mean, ah, okay. I, I like I look at the Pokemon games. I don't really think any of them are like exceptionally good because like the mechanics are pretty much the same throughout for the most part. They added a couple of quality of life adjustments. The graphics got better. Music sound effects got better. But I don't really think like the overall game improved. Like they did like two v two battles, which was okay, but yeah, it, it just kind of was the same thing over and over and over. Hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So cool. How 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 far have you been able to get doing the Nuzlocke? Uh, so this time I'm like six hours deep, but I've restarted twice, and I was probably like, so I probably played like almost ten hours, because uh, the the other runs that I erased, I was like two hours deep on each of them when I restarted. I lost my main Pokemon. <laughs> I was like, eh, I'm not playing this anymore. Yeah, I just got critically hit by a by a spell that did double damage. But I was one. It was just bad. It was really bad play on my point. My part just got trashed. Do you think you're going to be able to beat it, or are you just trying to see how far no. you can get? No. I just want to have fun with it and kind of explore. I'll probably get to the point where I'm sustained and the game's just kind of the same. I think uh-huh. all the early game is going to be difficult. I think it's going to get progressively easier as I go. That makes sense. You think the like the later game is easier than the earlier game under these rules? Yeah, I don't know for sure. That's just kind of my assumption. Because like I just feel like once you get your basis down and like you have all your, your Pokemon and you're decently leveled, I don't think you're gonna get like just annihilated by something random. Right. How much how, like how much does it hurt how how much more difficult does it make it not uh, only being able to get the first Pokemon? Like does that is that a big it's so deal? random. Think about it. Like think if you go into an area and you're like, Okay, there's this type of Pokemon here and you get a you get a garbage type <laughs> right. like, i'm now stuck with this garbage it's like well I can get rid of it but it's like well i can't catch anything else so i might as well level the garbage up right that's kind of fun that's that's like sort of like a roguelike type uh method of playing it almost yeah yeah 
I could see that. It's got the randomness where you only get certain things. You might get, you know, like a shitty weapon or a good weapon, and then obviously the permadeath and all that. That's a good point. I might see if there's an emulator that has random itemization too. Like, it, not like, you know, you walk up and get like a rare candy at the beginning, but have like a tier of items to say like antidote, potion, you know, paralyzed heal are all in the same category, and any one of those could spawn there. Uh-huh. That'd be interesting. I would not mind it as well. And it's like, you have to be very strategic on, on what you're doing. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. I'll let you know. I'll probably play it for a little while longer. It's it, I have it on my phone, which is nice. I can just play it wherever I am. Um, yeah. But so far, it's been very fun. You said you have it on your phone, what? Yeah, I have it on my phone, so I can pretty much play it wherever I want. Oh, I got you. You're starting to lag out a little bit. That's oh. uh, it's it's cool though, because uh. I'm oh, gonna... get, hold on. I'm gonna lag for a second. I know what's going on. Hold on. I'm gonna lag. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. Okay. That should be better. Now. That's actually does a sound, That does sound much better. <laughs> the spike was a little bit later than I expected. Uh, <laughs> I was I was VPNing because I was downloading something earlier, and I just I forgot to turn it off. Uh, what kind of porn was it? Um, dog horse porn. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Uh, <laughs> I got I'm leaving that in. I got a bunch of games to talk about. I'm gonna do three of them this time. Well, I actually have another game. Oh shit! That was even my main game. Oh nice. Okay. <laughs> That's what I uh, so th- this one should be about the same length, so it won't be too crazy. Um, so I actually played Heroes of Might Magic 2. As, I don't know Ooh. if you actually promised I would play it uh, on the last episode. Okay. Uh, so it is very interesting. It is, is, is obviously Heroes of Might Magic game. It is very similar to the third one. The third one, it, it's, it's interesting. I noticed most of the mechanics, most of the quality stuff most was already the, implemented sorry. in the second one. Most of the mechanics what? Most of the mechanics, like the quality of life. Okay. mechanics okay um were already implemented in the second one i thought the third one was where a lot of the it's it really is i mean it's just quality of life stuff like where you can um buy multiple units at once and buy them in bulk um i thought i figured that would be more of the third one but mm-hmm. the second one has a lot of those mechanics in it and it has m- most of the base mechanics um like in terms of the combat and the spells it's it's very good. I'm surprised there weren't more changes made going to the third one. Really? Um, I th- I think, yeah, I think they they fixed certain aspects of it. They improved the graphics. They improved the overall flow of your base. But then I think they tried to get creative. And that's where, because I don't know if you know this, Robert, from the second to third one, there were, I think there was two factions added. There was at least one added, and then they rotated a bunch of units around. Okay. And the new... The new factions that they created aren't really, they're not well received. They're like, okay, in comparison in three? to the second one. Okay. Yeah. They, they moved a lot of units around and sort of normalized everything. And it doesn't feel like there's too much uniqueness to each faction. And there are specific ones that are substantially better than the other ones. All right. Like without question. Wait, so, so how many are there in three? Uh, I think there's like six, eight. Wow. How many are there in two? There are eight in the third one. There are six. So they added two. And they rotated them around. Yeah. And so I played, uh, so of the second one, I played a little bit of the campaign. I played through majority of the first level and I lost. And then I played through like four or five standard games and I've lost all of them so far. Um, Here's my magic for anybody who hasn't played it is a very difficult strategy game. 
you have the essence of a base where you have to have macro elements and produce units. Then you also have this horseman that's traveling around this map to collect resources, to engage in combat, to gain experience, to collect items. But you also have to remain close to your base because somebody could come up and that base. So there's there's all this going on, and you have multiple horse riders later on in the game. Like you could have upwards of like four or five or six horse riders moving. So each turn you have to move each one of these guys off in a different direction. You have to remember what path you were going to, what objective you had with them while still watching your base. So the game can be very, very complex. Um, so these games are not for the lighthearted. They have a very steep learning curve. But when you actually get through that, these games are ridiculously fun, especially if you have somebody else or other people who really enjoy playing it because it's just a fun game to talk about strategize. So mm -hmm. the second one, uh, the second one had very good music. The sound effects were okay. It's definitely a lower sound quality. Um, but the only thing I didn't like about it is there were certain sound effects that were very loud and certain ones that were very quiet, which was weird. So you'd be <laughs> kind of like drift, you, you know, like, you know, when like a, there's like soft music with like, you know, light sound effects, you kind of like drift into the game and you're very focused. And mm -hmm. then you like click on something and it's like this very loud, almost irritating noise. You'd be like, whoa, what? <laughs> and so there's a little, a little sound quality difference, which again, you know, it's an older game. It's not, not super surprising. I will say uh, one of the sound effects that I did appreciate in this one from to the third one is the lumber mill. The lumber mill in the third one, if you, if you have a lumber mill near your base uh, and you have it captured, it's producing wood every day. The yeah. entire time you capture it, it makes a sawing noise. So it's like, <laughs> so anytime That's you're anywhere near your noise. base, it's constantly playing. Oh, it constantly doesn't, playing. not just when you're like clicking on it or no, something. <laughs> it is always going and it's so obnoxious. And in this one, it's a much lighter noise. So it's, I give them a thumbs up for that one. Cause that drives me nuts. Especially when, because you know, the other thing I didn't forget to mention about this game is a, a small map. Of this game takes upwards of four hours a extra large map can take upwards of like 15 to 20 hours. Like this is a very long game. So having a very annoying sound effect for that duration. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound great. <laughs> uh, one thing I noticed that was, it was interesting is it, so in the later installment of the game, you basically built up your base. You went from like a citadel to a castle. I think, I think it was like moat citadel castle or something like that. Like there was this very progressive path for it in the second one. And when you got to the castle, the castle had like defensive turrets and you could, you know, repel a siege easily. In the second one, it's interesting. You actually build the turrets one by one. And it's kind of interesting. Um, but what I did notice, because I actually got attacked and attacked a castle as well, the sieges are not as difficult for the person attacking. The the third one, the mm. person defending has such an advantage, and which you should, obviously, but right. it was like ridiculous like later stages of the game you would have to like outnumber them two to one in certain cases just to just to take a castle and it's just like holy shit how many resources that i expend on this like it's just it's so crazy so i did appreciate the castles maybe maybe and I, i'm thinking probably later in the in a game um the the heroes of might magic 2 the castles would be very strong but i like that they scale better because in the third one it was like you would rush a castle because a castle gives you a ton of gold mm -hmm. uh, gold per day but also, it's like stupid defensive and almost unkillable. So okay. I think the balance was a little bit better. Um, something else, the unit party size was smaller, so you can have a, a smaller amount of units in your party. Kind of interesting. Um, I don't know how that's going to affect the game overall. I kind of like the larger party size. just because It gives you more variation. You can add more units into it. Um, what else? Oh, some of the building names were really funny. I was playing one of the factions who gets like orcs and trolls. The trolls, in order to spawn trolls, you have to build a what? You have to build a bridge. <laughs> the trolls spawn <laughs> under the bridge. Um, That's good. There was these like, there, I think they were like orcs or goblins that spawn from garbage heaps. <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> and then there's uh, I forget which creature it was, but it comes from a stick hut. And then if you upgrade it, it's like a super stick hut or something. Like, it's just so <laughs> funny. It's just these garbage buildings. And it's just like, Jesus, like, this is my town. It's just a garbage heap with a troll bridge and a stick hut. Like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Um, so one of, the, one of the cool things about Here's My Magic is it's very punishing. And it makes it more exciting. Because, for instance, I was walking. I was doing very well. I had um, a couple horsemen on the map. Uh, I was exploring very very far out and i found an abandoned gold mine i'm like fuck yeah if i clean this up i'll get it turns into an active gold mine right so you get the okay. active gold mine you get gold today very valuable it's great so i like go to inspect it's like oh it looks abandoned do you want to search it? i'm like ah eh, fuck it what's the worst gonna be down there there's 120 ghosts down there <laughs> and i let plundered they moved across the map and they're so fast they moved across the entire map that in a battle in here's my magic it's like final fantasy tactics you have a hex grid and you run at each other and they just ran across the map and killed me and i was like oh well that's the end of that run <laughs> that's, and it was like a really strong army like it was the strongest army i could possibly have um so it's pretty funny so there's very punishing elements like you'll find pandora's box sometimes in the third one and if you open it it could literally just kill you you could win the game you could open it oh, really? gold. <laughs> yeah like it's just you get one gold. Like it's just, it can be purely random. It's ridiculous. Um, one of the other buildings I really liked in this one, in the second one, was the statue. It's it's a very early building that you can get, and it just increases your gold production per day. And I really liked it. It is it was very cost efficient. It was one of those things where I looked at it in Heroes of Might and Magic Three. The builds were very similar, almost always. Everybody macroed, and macroed was building uh, up your town hall and then building these support buildings, then upgrading your town hall, making it the strongest you can get it so you can get the most gold per day. And it was like pretty much the same thing across the board. So for the first like eight turns, your entire build path was very predictable. Kind of like StarCraft, right? You have very set sure. set ways. Here's my magic too, though, I noticed. You don't really have that macro element. There is a little bit to it, but then you immediately go into unit production. And I like it a lot because hmm. you can decide like, oh, I'm going to save my gold up. I'm going to buy a more powerful building to produce stronger units, or I could build a bunch of mini units AKA I could rush them or I could go for more macro oriented, macro oriented, but you're still building units. And I really like that. It's as opposed to I'm playing here's my magic three, nine times out of 10, my first build path is going to be these first six, eight buildings. Mm -hmm. It's like, eh, it gets kind of boring. So I, I like it. I, the pacing of the game, I think is actually better. Um, one of the other elements of the game, if, as if this game doesn't have enough going on and you're not already downloading it, there's obelisks on the map. And these obelisks, there's a set number of them and it's determined by the size of the map. When you click on the obelisk, this puzzle appears on you, or appears, appears on your screen, and a couple of the pieces get removed, so you can see sort of an image in the background. And as you get more and more of these obelisks, the image becomes uh, more and more clear. And at a certain point, you'll realize that it's actually a section of the map. And somewhere on the map, if you align the puzzle with with that that screen on your map, that's where it is. But there's an oh, X okay. somewhere on that puzzle, so you have to find the X. And then you dig it up, and you get the Holy Grail. And if you get the Holy Grail, and you take it back to your base after seven days, you win. So another really interesting element to just win games. Yeah, that is cool. Very fun. So there's multiple ways to win. Obviously, you can just run at people and kill them. Um, one thing that really annoyed me was about this game. It took me forever how to figure out how to recruit heroes. In, this, in the third one, you bought a tavern. You built, You could buy guys. There's an option of like three dudes. You could hire one of them to be one of your recruits. In this one, I'm like, what the hell? I, I built like, I was like, okay, maybe I just don't have the right building. So I built every building on the tier, the first tier. And I'm like, what the hell? Like you have to build this much stuff in order to get recruits. I looked around my base. I'm like, nope. I'm like, oh, maybe it's out on the map. So I did some exploring on the map. Maybe there was like a, a, a bar or something where I could recruit more people. Nope. I finally figured it out. It's just, it's in your home screen. It's just these two pictures of these dudes and you have to click on them. And there's only two choices. It's just always there. And I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. But it was just like kind of annoying that I did. It took me that long to figure right. it out. 
right? Did, so um, did you did you play mostly like skirmishes, or did you do? I campaign? played one level of the campaign, and then the rest were skirmishes. The skirmishes are really where, where this game shines. The, the story, the the main storyline is not that good. Um, at least in the third one, the campaign is fun, but it's also pretty boring. And it's like <laughs> fun, but you're boring. Very weak. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's it, it, like the first couple times you do it, it's really fun, but then it gets very repetitive. The it, the idea is you're very far behind at the beginning of the level, and you have to build up in order to kill them every single level. So it's just like oh, okay. macro, 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 macro. Hey, I have a big ass army. I'm gonna run around the map and I kill you. It's like okay. gotcha. So so skirmish is the way to go. Oh hell yeah, skirmish is really fun. It's kind of like Starcraft. Like when you every time you one v one, the map matters. The, the you know, your your faction matters, your matchup matters. Like, it's just so much to it. You're like, okay, I have to do this, 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 this. It's just super. Is it, uh, how many people, like, how many different, like, player, like... Six? six you, you can do up six to, like, I think up to eight. But you did, like, six? Uh, in my maps, I did six. And two of the people died very quickly. They died to mobs, funny enough. Wait, so were you, were you actually playing online? No, no. Okay, so this is all AI. But so, oh, so there's like yeah, mobs yeah. that AI. Oh, I got you. Like random kind of like n- neutral mobs on the good. map that that kill the uh, AI. There's neutral mobs that people that kind of like Warcraft Three. There's neutral mobs on the map, and then there's also players which are opposing factions. Okay, gotcha. Uh, one more small note. This is moving away. For, do you have any more questions about heroes before I move on? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Okay. So, so uh, you know, I told you a while ago I started playing on a new private server for a while. Yeah. This server is so populated right now, and there's this one zone, if anybody's ever played WoW, called the Stranglethorn Vale, which is very, very notorious for being a, in a cancerous PvP area where people just get camped for extended <laughs> periods of time. Okay. On this server, it is somebody said it best last night, they said it's like Vietnam. Like Every time you're <laughs> killing a mob for a quest, you're looking over your shoulder, you know it's coming, somebody's going to kill you, and then like every single time you get killed, and then you come back to your body, you're like, okay, I'm okay, and then somebody kills you. <laughs> Wow, sounds fun. Pretty, pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very fun. <laughs> awesome, especially when you're the one killing people. Well, okay, then I can see it. Yeah, then you're making like nine year olds cry. Oh, first no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, that was that was nice. I liked hearing about uh, Heroes of Might and Magic too. Yeah, we got to play sometime. I'd yeah. be I'd be very down to play with you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, maybe like yeah. Let's try to do it maybe next week sometime. We'll start. We'll try to get a little game going. All right, uh, is that all you got? Yep. All right, then we'll move on to me. Sorry to keep everyone waiting on listening to me talk instead of you. But uh, first one, let's go with, I'm going to go with, this is the one that I've been playing the longest out of these, and I finally finished it. The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Oh, you finished it? I finished it. Um, not without the help of a, uh, strategy guide or, you know, like a, like a, like a walkthrough rather. Walkthrough, yeah. Um, because I did most of the game without it, but then like the last 15%, it gets really tough if you don't have a, a walkthrough of some sort. So this is obviously Super Nintendo came out in 1991, uh, very famous game, maybe the most famous Zelda game. Uh, I don't think that'd be a stretch to oh, say yeah. that. Uh, Ooh, I think this maybe or, Ocarina of Time. Yeah, this or Ocarina probably. Yeah, I uh, think so. I always loved it, just just like everybody else does. Uh, but this is one of the, yet again, like I, I f- I'm finding that there were so many games like this, fantastic games that I absolutely loved, but I never owned them for whatever reason. I, I only just played them at other, like at my friend's houses and stuff. This is one of those. I never actually owned this. I played it a bunch at friend's houses, but I never owned it myself. 
And so I had never beaten it, of course, either. Uh, I probably really hadn't even gotten that far. The uh, When I think of Legend of Zelda, I think uh, A Link to the Past, the thing that stands out to me the most is just the way the game looks. The graphics are... They, like, the artwork and the graphics are just so good in this game. It's kind of like the quintessential Super Nintendo look, I would I would say. Would you agree I with agree that? With like, that. Oh, 100%. I think that's perfect wording, too. This is, it looks so good, and it has really good... Like, not only are the graphics themselves really good, but the whole world is is designed really well. So there's, there's always cool stuff. There's always... Well, I say always. There's a lot of stuff to explore. There's really nice-looking scenery, uh, really cool things to find. And obviously, great. yeah, I said, great. <laughs> oh yeah, and obviously the music and sound effects are, are, are especially the music are, are famous. You, uh, you have to explore there. I mean, not only because you aren't given much direction, but also you kind of have to do a lot of exploration to find all the stuff that you need to progress through the game. So you're kind of rewarded for exploration in that sense. Um, and then also sometimes you just get bonus things from exploring. You might get something that uh, you don't necessarily need to finish the game, but uh, it you know it, it just it just makes it a little bit easier. And then of course it has once you get a little ways into the game, they, it has the the dark world mechanic, where you kind of go back and forth between essentially the world that you came from and then the dark world, which is like a, a an evil version of the same world. And that comes into play. Uh, well, the dark world is where you spend. The, I'd say like 75% of the, or maybe not quite that much, like over half the game is spent in the dark world. Cause that's where there are, once you get a few hours into it, there are seven dungeons that you have to complete and they're all in the dark world. And also the final boss is in the, is in, takes place in the dark world. So that's where the, most of the game is. And then there are also some little, uh, I guess minor puzzles where you kind of have to like go back and forth between dark world and in the real world to, to get to like certain places on the map. Like, to get in some doors or to get into some dungeons and stuff like this, you have to uh, like, you have a mirror that is how that, that allows you to, to travel. I forget which one is from one to the other. And then you, and then you can go back to wherever you came from and you kind of have to like stand in the right spot, then travel to the dark world or whatever. And then like, you're in a spot that you couldn't access previously. Um, so, so that's, that was kind of a big deal at the time also. Uh, most of the game does uh, a pretty good job of, of hinting you, uh, of, of giving you hints like for where you should try to explore to kind of advance through the game. And mostly the dungeons are pretty interesting. Uh, every dungeon, in, well, most dungeons introduce, they, they give you an item that introduces like a new mechanic into the game. And that's usually that's kind of... That's right. What, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And that's kind of usually what you need to also advance to later dungeons. Like... One dungeon might give you a grappling hook that allows you to uh, cross over like pits, basically, or or water or anything like that. If you can shoot it and latch onto the other side, then it then it then it pulls you across to the other side, and you get that in one dungeon, for instance. And then once you and you have to use that in the dungeon, but not only that, once you finish that dungeon, then that allows you to access other parts of the maps where where later dungeons are. So that's kind of that's how a lot of the game works. There's also a hammer that does the same thing. It allows you to knock these little pole things into the ground that allow you to get past into other places. Of course, there's the glove that allows you to pick up oh, yeah. uh, bigger rocks and, uh, and stuff like that. And then of course you do get um, better armor at a few points of the game. You can upgrade your weapon at a, your, your sword at a few points. Obviously you get the master sword, but even the master sword, ultimately if, if you get 
if you do all the upgrades that you can do with it, I forget if you can upgrade it once or twice, but you at least can upgrade it one time just past just being the master sword. So there's all this stuff that you'll be kind of adding to, to progress throughout the game, adding new mechanics and that kind of stuff. I was surprised. Well, there are a couple things. One thing that stood out to me the most is how challenging the game still is. And this is kind of, I feel like I encounter this a lot when I go back to older games. I'm like, oh, this will, this, this can't be as hard as like games nowadays, you know, or like, yeah. even if it is hard, it's like, oh, well, I've, I've played games like this a whole bunch, so I shouldn't have much trouble. There are some pretty tough bosses. Like there's one in particular where it's kind of like a, uh, it's not really like this at all, but the, the, but the closest thing I can think to compare it to is like a caterpillar and, uh. It's got like its body is made up of these fireballs. These, no, not fireballs, but those they're ones, these. Oh, not those ones, okay. They're these circles, and the head is like a large circle. And then as it goes down the body, the circles get smaller and smaller until the tail is just a tiny little circle. And you oh. have to pos- and, and it's moving around in, in basically a randomized pattern. And to yeah. and to do damage to it, you have to hit its tail, which is really hard to get to. Not only because it's small, but but because you have to get yourself in the right position to where like the head or anything else goes past you without hitting you again in an unpredictable pattern. And so, and then you're standing close enough to be able to hit the tail when it passes by you. It's really tough. And then on top of that, and this particular boss, you're standing, you're on like a platform where if you get knocked off the edge, then you fall down in the dungeon and you have to like travel back upstairs and all this stuff to get back up to it. And I, I don't, I could be wrong on this, but I feel like it's health regenerates in the meantime as well, maybe. So, uh, that one, that was probably the most frustrating boss I encountered. Some of them are not too hard. Really, I guess mo- there were only a few bosses in particular that were really hard. But I guess the hardest part in general were a lot of the dungeons where either they are very difficult or not very, either they're time consuming to figure out or it's difficult to get to the boss without being very, very low on health. There are, you know, like some dungeons might have ice rooms where you slide all across the ice and then oh, there yeah. are tons of ob- like obstacles all over the place flying at you that you have to dodge at the same time. Things like that. And then some dungeons are like really elaborate in the way they're laid out and you have to figure out how to like what room you have to go to to get this or that key or hit these little spheres that cause little things to open and all this kind of stuff. Uh, some of them are like almost like there, there are several dungeons that are kind of laid out almost like a maze where it's like, how am I going to get to this from, from this part of the room to the other part of the room where this one specific door that I need to go through is. And it's just really, uh, kind of difficult to figure out like the actual path you're supposed to take to get through, uh, the dungeon itself and even individual rooms within the dungeon. Uh, so how for me, like I said, I, I had to use a, uh, a walkthrough I guess it was probably starting with the, 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 once you get to kind of like the main part of the game, there are seven dungeons that you have to go through. They all have the seven maidens and you have to rescue each maiden from the dungeon. And I think it was probably dungeon six where I really felt like I needed to start using a walkthrough. And I had definitely had to do that through the whole rest of the game. The dungeons really got a bit tiring for me after about the fourth one. Um, They just kind of get a little bit, not not so much repetitive, but just kind of, like not too fun to play anymore because it's just, you're going through these same rooms, you know, and on any, not, not, not across dungeons, obviously, but like once you're in one dungeon, you're kind of back doing a lot of backtracking, trying to figure out where to go, how to get here uh, and, and and doing so without losing a ton of health in the meantime. And that 
that got kind of old to me after, like I said, after about the fourth one. Then it was probably about the sixth one, like I said, where I had to really start using a walkthrough. And and the sixth one and the seventh one, like, are very tough if you don't have a walkthrough. And then even after that, you uh, you basically, I, I won't say you have to use a walkthrough, but it will take a very long time to figure out the things that you need to do in between the final dungeon and the final boss battle, which is, I, I guess it would be a, a, a separate dungeon. But, but after the seventh dungeon, after you get the seventh maiden, and then before you go to the to the castle to fight the final boss, there's some stuff that you kind of have to do in the meantime to make sure uh, that you're prepared to do that. And it's really kind of a stretch, I would I think, to expect people to figure out a lot of the stuff on its own. There's nothing I don't think that was entirely just random, but there's a whole lot of, it, it really relies on you remembering a whole lot of things from very disparate parts of the map that and, and and kind of putting them together in your own head it's like i would never have thought to do this like it makes sense like oh yeah you have to get this bomb yeah. and take it to this one place where there's a crack in the wall and blow up the crack in the wall but it's like the bomb is something that you like probably encountered like 10 hours ago playing and then never thought about it again and or and, and or maybe you never even saw it and then there's this crack on the whole other opposite end of the map basically and then you have to kind of remember oh there's this bomb maybe i could go get that like i would never have remembered a lot of this stuff uh there are a couple things like that even outside of the dungeons and uh and so the final boss is is pretty tough not too hard uh, it, was, it was really just kind of like getting to the final boss. Getting to a lot of the bosses was was the hard part for most of them, more so than actually fighting them. Uh, I didn't really have a great time playing it this time. I still think it's a really, really good game, especially for when it came out. Um, mm -hmm. And especially like the first half of the game, I felt like was really fun. But then as the game starts getting more kind of complicated... And a little bit more confusing and a little bit more frustrating. As it, as it starts progressing, it starts getting more frustrating and all that stuff. And I kind of had less and less fun with it as I as I continued to go through it. Again, particularly like the second half on. My last playthrough was very, very, very good. I have a very, very high feeling. On Link to the Past? Mm -hmm. yeah, oh, okay. It's been, it's been a few years for sure, but I really enjoyed it last time. I played that and then I played um, Autumn. called. Oracle of Seasons, yeah, that's called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you didn't have you didn't have a problem with Link to the Past? Uh, no, I actually really enjoyed it. But okay. again, it's been probably five years. Sure. Um, I could definitely see how other people might have a lot more, or might have, yeah, might have a lot more patience for it than I do. But uh, I just got to kind of like this tipping point where, again, like I said, after like the fourth dungeon, I was like, all right, can we kind of get this get this moving? And then I encountered all this kind of far-fetched stuff that for me was a little bit difficult to uh to i thought it would have been difficult to figure out on my own so i didn't love it this time i i still think it's a really good game but it's not one that i'll probably go back to again i don't think wow so then after that we've got a uh, master of orion 2 orion master of orion 2 we had uh, a lot of people talking about this around our 100th episode top 100 games episode where we we had a few people with it a few of our guests had it in their top five lists i believe at least one person did and we had people write in talking about master of orion 2 for like as for one of their top five games of all time so i was like it had been a game that i'd been meaning to play for a long time but then after all that hype i was like well i gotta finally check this out for myself 
Master of Orion 2 is a turn-based strategy game. And it very much feels like Civ in space. That's Ooh. that's how I would describe it. Not like uh, Alpha Centauri, which is a Sid Meier game. Uh, on, in Alpha Centauri, you're on a planet, and it's just like Civ, except you're kind of like except you're in, on, on an alien planet, and there's kind of like futuristic techs and and little uh, you know alien type monsters that you have to fight. This one, you're not on a planet. You're you're in a galaxy. So like essentially every tile, so to speak, is is a planet. Everything you like would occupy is one individual planet as opposed to one spot on a planet. Um, and it's, it's not actually tiles, but that's just kind of like the, the analogy. Like yeah. anything you use, that's, that's a planet. You can go to this planet or that planet. And there's not anything really where you would go around to various parts on, you know, within a planet. Uh, when, when you're looking at the game, you're just looking at a map of the galaxy. And like nothing really happens visually in the game. You don't look at, I mean... To some extent, you do. You see a map, and you can see the planets that you've explored. And then if it's a planet that you've explored or a um, uh, another like race that you've encountered, then it shows whether that planet is inhabited or, you know, whether it's occupied and what, like, species or what race it's occupied by. And, uh, and that's basically it for, like, the main visual part of the game. Most of the actual playing is done in menus. So you're not like moving characters around like, again, like a Civ game. It's like you're you're looking at your planets to see who occupies what, and then going into a menu to say I want to do this and that. So I oh, guess sure. in that sense, it's different from Civ. But overall, it very much feels like Civ because what you're doing is you are kind of managing your production, whether that be food or research or uh, or I guess I think the other one's just called production, where you're like manufacturing things. Um. And you're, you, so like you might click on a planet where that you have occupied and then it shows you how many workers you have there and you can kind of like allocate them to produce more food or do more research or do uh, more uh, manufacturing type production where you're building ships or new buildings on your planet that might, you know, give it different bonuses and that kind of stuff. And you're, you're picking out your text the whole time. So, you know, every, just again, just like civilization, whatever tech you're researching um, you're going like one point towards that every 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 turn of the game. I, I guess Civ does it a little bit backwards compared to this. Whereas, correct me if I'm wrong, in Civ, you build up an, a certain number of research points, and then it takes you to the research screen, and then do you select which one you want to get right then, or do you select it ahead of time, and then they you build select up ahead of time. The you do okay. You do do it ahead of time. Okay, that's how this one is. You say, once you get, like, you say, I want to research this tech. And it takes, like, you know, 15 days or, or years, or I forgot what actually, like, one step of time is in this game. But whatever it is, it takes that long to research this tech. And then once you research that one, then you can, you know, pick which one you want to research next. And, and so on and so forth. Just like, again, just like Civ. Uh, one kind of neat thing is you don't know exactly when you're going to research this tech. It's There's, like, a... Uh, certain it, it gives you basically an estimate on how long it'll take to get there but then once you get to that point then it's like all right there's a four point there's like a four percent chance you're gonna find it on your next turn you click and you didn't wow. get it so then it might be okay now there's a 12 percent chance you're gonna get it on your next turn you do your turn I don't like that. Maybe you did it it's it's i kind of like it because it's it's a little bit more realistic where you're not like 
oh, we want to research, like, you know, in real life, if you say, I want to research how to build a spaceship, it's not like in 100 days, we're going to know how to build a spaceship. You have an estimate and you're like, well, you know, maybe in like a year or two, we're going to know how to build a spaceship, you know? I'm just talking about from a strategy perspective, like from a game, like it makes a little bit more interesting. I think there could be a balance to it, but difficult balance yeah i i see what you're saying but you know ultimately i found that it didn't really matter much anyway because it's usually in the space of like four or five turns that you end up researching it it's it's not usually much it's not like oh i'm gonna get it now or possibly like a hundred turns later it's gonna be like no i'm gonna get it maybe now or maybe the next turn or probably the next one after that um so it doesn't really there's not a whole lot of variance there but i thought but it was kind of interesting i thought um so you're you're exploring you're sending scout ships to other planets trying to find you can't just colonize any planet it has to be a it has to be a planet like first of all that's not that doesn't have like a ton of radiation or and also that has a uh, a livable atmosphere it's habitable yeah habitable basically and then and not only that but you also have to make sure it's it's a planet like worth colonizing so it might be habitable sure. but like not have but just have like shit resources sure. so you got to always be aware of that kind of stuff um, as I said, allocating your workforce to different types of production is really a big part of it. And, uh, what else? So basically you're just like, Siv, you're, you're kind of doing something, then advancing your turn, then, then doing something else. So you're, you know, getting your research ready, deciding whether you want to be building ships or, or whatever. Then you just click like in turn and then like nothing changes on the screen because like I said, there's not much visually going on. So you click, so a lot of, so like sometimes You'll just be sitting there like clicking next turn over and over again, like maybe five or 10 times in a row. Like, I know that's, that's, that's kind of a downside to it. Like there are these times where there's, there are spaces where nothing is happening and it doesn't, it's not really time consuming, but it feels like there's nothing happening because you're like, you're just sitting there clicking on the end turn button over and over again. Like you might be waiting for a, a research to finish or something like that. Um, there are, uh, I think there's like eight different races and you can also create your own race. So there is a pretty good variety of races. There are a ton of different technologies. You to research. You, wait, you said you can create your own race? Yeah. You can, you have to, you have to use one of the, uh, like an artwork for an existing race, but you can change like the races, you know, like all the characteristics of the race. Um, tons of different texts and stuff. Uh, there were really a bunch of technologies. The problem though with the technologies is I felt like a lot of them and this is kind of really the same. I, I really feel the same way about Civ, but I think I think Civ does a little bit better job of masking this and making them feel a little bit more substantial. Every tech, I feel like, was just like an adjustment of numbers in one way or the other, and and it really for any strategy game, that's that's how technologies work. But I didn't feel it like like I said in Civilization, you might research like you know uh, paper or like. Yeah. mathematics you know like and that's kind of that's kind of a cool thing it's like oh now your civilization has has discovered mathematics and you can do this and that even though ultimately it's just like oh well, now that you have math you get a boost to you know like money like you earn a little bit more money or whatever it, it might down be. into a couple categories yeah this one this one is the same but it feels even more purely just numbers it's like oh you can you can uh research like proton rockets <laughs> you know i don't know if that's a real thing but something like that uh-huh. and basically like it just gives you like a more powerful number on your rockets like that kind of stuff so it didn't it, it felt important but it didn't feel like it felt more like i was adjusting numbers and not like i was building up some great space empire i guess is how i would say gotcha. 
Um, there are uh, there's you there's there's stuff where just like also like Civ where you can like trade technology. You have diplomacy with other with other species and that kind of stuff. There are events kind of like a ran- pseudo random. Well, I guess I guess they're pretty much random randomized events that can happen that might cause like you know something happened to like maybe like one of your planets got hit by an asteroid and wiped out a ton of your workforce there or destroyed some of your buildings and stuff like that. Um, you can uh, there are also you can hire like named characters will, will come up every now and then. You can hire them to like be like admirals of your fleet or to kind of like be the governors of your planet. And they all provide certain bonuses. Uh, there is, there's one part where I got framed for um, something. I got like framed for stealing one of my allies, like Did technologies or something like that. No, I didn't do it. Don't uh, <laughs> another, another race framed me of it. And so like they went to war with me for that. So stuff like that can happen. Um, this is a really in-depth game, and I think I really would have been hooked on it at the time, but I I didn't really feel like I, I didn't really get sucked into it. I think I like again, I really think I would have if I had played this when it originally came out. But honestly, like while the whole time I was playing Master of Orion 2, I was like, oh, this is just like Stellaris, except Stellaris does everything so much better. Be, you know, because it came out like 20 Sick, 30 years later or whatever. Um I just wanted to go play Stellar. This this game what made me want to go start a new Stellaris game. <laughs> so that's funny. Super good game for the time. I just feel like, and it's still a good game. But now there are other games that provide the exact same thing, only better in basically every way. So, uh, so yeah, I I think this is definitely a super solid game. Just not one that I would want to play now because we have Stellaris now. Gotcha. And then the third game I played was Wipeout for PS1. Oh, man. You like Wipeout? I like it. Oh, I do. It's been a very long time. It's been a long time for me, too. Um, And actually, you know what? I thought this was a... I had, it's been so long that I thought this was a... I, well, I didn't think it was a different game. I was getting this kind of combined with another game in my head. Did you... This is a... Wipeout is for PlayStation 1. Came out in, in 1995. Did you ever play a PS1 game called Jet Moto? Ooh, I think it was one of the games that came with the console, actually. Wasn't it? I like one of the options you could choose from. Maybe I don't. Okay. I don't think mine was. Um, I'm I I don't remember that. I'm pretty sure mine was not. Maybe that was true. But it was like a um, sort of like a jet ski game, except like it wasn't really jet skis. It's like these kind of like hover motorcycles, sort of, and they could go on land or water. Mm. And uh, this is this is jet motor that I'm talking about right now, and like. The only thing I remembered specifically from it was one of the, um, like, one of the, what the hell is this? One of the, um, like, vehicles that you could pick was, like, a Mountain Dew vehicle. And your guy wore, like, a Mountain Dew logo on his on his jacket and all this stuff. But uh, I was kind of getting that and Wipeout combined in my head. And I was looking for the Wipeout, my, the Mountain Dew Wipeout car and couldn't find it. So I got really confused. And that was how I eventually discovered that there was Jet Moto also. I was like, oh, that's what this was. But Wipeout is a futuristic racing game. You basically are like a racing hover. I don't want to say hovercraft because that makes me. If I say like hovercraft makes me think of like a UFO shaped thing. True. Very um, true. These are like long kind of more like I guess kind of like uh, F-Zero is sort of like 
kind of how I would compare him to. You um, are picking it's it's kind of like uh, it's 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 like F Zero in that it's futuristic and you're doing hovercraft, but it doesn't really feel anything like F Zero. Um, it's also in a way like Mario Kart. Because there are a lot of, like, boosts on the track that you'll hit. And there are also power-ups that you can get on the track. You, you run over these spots just like in, uh, in like, the, like in, in the early Mario Kart games and, uh, and get power-ups. And it's random what you get. Sometimes you might get a, uh, a rocket. Sometimes you might get, like, a heat-seeking missile. Sometimes you get something that just makes you go real fast. Uh, there are, and there's, like, little grenades. So one of them is, like, you set a few little grenades behind you. Various things like that. But again... It doesn't feel like Mario Kart either. It kind of feels like its own thing. Um, it's there. It's funny because there's not a whole lot notable to say about the actual racing mechanics itself. And really, as I was playing this game and racing, I was kind of let down by like the sense of speed, as well as the uh, just the overall feel of the game. It's it's got a pretty well balanced difficulty. I didn't feel like I could just like win every race you know, very easily. I also didn't feel like it was impossible. I felt like it was pretty well balanced as far as the difficulty goes. Um, you're racing along, playing essentially like rave music in the background while you're trying to obviously win the race and get these power-ups and stuff. Um, each race is three laps. The laps are fairly long, so it might take like five, six, seven minutes to do a full race. Um, not not like crazy long, obviously, but for three laps, it's, it's a little bit longer than it might sound. Uh, the problems are... So one thing is you don't really encounter other racers very frequently, even though there's eight of you. Really? Yeah. For, I don't know why this is, but even though there's eight people, well, first of all, it always starts you in eighth place. No matter, even if you're doing a, a full circuit and you come in first, like every time, every race you start off last. So I don't particularly love that, but even then it's like throughout the course of the race, somehow the racers always get so separated from each other that it's like, you're not really passing people that often at all. And other people aren't passing each other that all that often either. So it kind of makes the power-ups less fun because you don't get to use them as much because you're not really passing people very often. And once you do get past somebody, it's like you they probably aren't going to come up and pass you again unless you're fairly close and like maybe you mess up and hit a wall or something like that. There wasn't much of a sense of like, oh crap, this, you know, it's neck and neck between me and this guy. It's like, oh, I'm coming up on this guy. Okay. And uh, now, yes. And I was able to pass him and now I'm going to move on and hopefully pass somebody else in like two or three more minutes. Uh, the tracks are also a little bit too, t a little bit too narrow to where there's some parts where it's like really difficult not to hit the wall. And when you hit the wall, this is, this kind of also feeds into uh another like a larger complaint I have that there's not really a it really does not have a good feeling of speed or just energy in general like there's no like when you're when you're playing f-zero like it feels like you're going fast in this game it doesn't feel like you're going very fast even though it's probably comparable speed wise to something to something like f-zero you don't hear like your engine revving or anything like that you just hear like I don't even know if your vehicle makes a sound. If it does, it's like a very quiet, like just kind of almost like a muted sound. And then when you hit the wall, you don't like crash. You just like stop basically. 
and then you just like have to hit the gas and then like oh like they didn't have enough time to code crashing or something i don't know maybe that's it i'm not sure like you don't slow down a hundred percent you don't like come to a complete stop but you just slow down a whole whole lot you don't bounce off the wall there's no crash animation or anything it's just if you hit the wall it slows you down drastically and that's it so that's that's kind of a that's kind of boring and it kind of take like takes away even more from the sense that there's no not really much speed or energy in the game. It's like you're always just kind of playing this generally sort of quiet game. And then if you hit a wall, it's not like, boom, it's just like, oh, now I'm slow. Now I got to take a minute to speed back up again. And then even like when you shoot missiles and stuff, like, you know, as opposed to like a cool, like missile sound, when you shoot a missile, it like barely, it like barely makes the slightest little sound. It's like, that's, that's all you get. I don't know if the microphone even picked that up. Didn't even pick it up. That's what's so funny. About it. <laughs> it's like you have to really listen for it, and it, and even then, it's like a very boring, like again, non kinetic sound. Uh, the vehicles look pretty cool. Um, again, the 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 difficulty is is really well balanced, I think. But just like the severe lack of energy, the lack of speed, or the lack of a sensation of speed, rather, I should say, uh, kind of ruined this game. So I didn't play it for very long because I just was not finding it all that fun. So, uh, yeah, that does not sound super great. <laughs> no, I was. I definitely would say it is not super great. So there are my three games. I can't believe we. Uh, I can't believe we um got this far in that short amount of time. That and also that we had five games total. True. The one time we really have a time constraint too. That's my favorite part. It was <laughs> yeah, just on my part because my my friend was playing Pokemon and it made me want to play. Like any, I hate Pokemon. And then I watch somebody else play it and I want to play it. <laughs> That's funny how that happens, isn't it? You know, I feel slightly disappointed that I played three, like, pretty well-liked games and didn't really have a fantastic time with any of them. <laughs> I feel like I let our listeners down. Mostly, I, I mean, Master of Orion 2 I pr- was was very, very good. That, that one, the only reason I didn't absolutely love it is just because there's so much better stuff now. Sure. But like, but so that one maybe not. But Link to the Past and Wipeout, I was a little bit like, oh, these aren't as good as I thought. Even though Link to the Past I still do think is good, I just it has a lot more problems than I remembered. Wow. Wow, <laughs> you're not making me feel better about myself. Let's go to top four. I am. Let's do <laughs> top. That's your boat. My boat's over here. All right, fine. Can I get in your boat? Nope. All right, then let's do our top fours instead. Okay. All right, top four games that we want inducted into the strong museum of plays world video game hall of fame this is out of so before sorry go ahead i was gonna say this is out of their finalists that they announced and i was gonna read them do you have something before i do that i was gonna say before you read them read the reason they are nominated because that's how i really chose my list like i could have gone many different ways but i read the reason why they're inducted and it changed my answers a little bit yeah that makes sense that i think that's kind of how uh how i thought about it as well um let me find it it's if you go okay. to like about, I think it is. I've, yep, that's you're exactly right. Here it is. Um, the Strong recognizes uh, the World Video Game Hall of Fame at the Strong recognizes individual electronic games of all types, arcade, console, computer, handheld, and mobile, that have enjoyed popularity over a sustained period, and have exerted influence on the video game industry or on popular culture and society in general. Okay, got it. So the so we so our lists are coming from 
this year's list of nominees. And those are, or finalists rather, I guess it's kind of the same thing. The, the, the list that they have to choose from that they're going to select four from this year are Asteroids, Call of Duty, Dance Dance Revolution, Final Fantasy VII, Half-Life, John Madden Football, King's Quest, Metroid, Minecraft, Miss Pac-Man, Space War, and Tomb Raider. Okay? Yep. So our lists are coming from this list. They're in, They're going to be inducting four of these games. They're going to choose four to induct into the Hall of Fame. And so we did top fours this time. Let's see. I will roll dice to see who goes first. And I'll go first. My number four is Metroid. Metroid, very, very, very good game series. And it's been one that has lasted a very long time as well. Uh, it doesn't have as many entries as something like, you know, Zelda or Mario. But obviously it's a top tier franchise. The original games were very, very good, especially Super Metroid. The original Metroid was like, it was good. It wasn't like amazingly good, but it was very good. And it was also it was, like really unique. Um, and so I feel like just with how beloved it is, with how good many of the games are and how long it's lasted and like the huge fan base that it's built up. That's kind of all those things sort of added together for me. I couldn't for my number four, I was a little bit torn between Metroid and half-life and I, I still am. I still think it's a very, very, very close call between those two, but I, I think Met- Metroid wins because I feel like it's had a little bit more impact on popular culture than, than half-life has and on video games in general. I actually agree with you entirely that I, I, I had a very close call between those two titles as well. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I agree with you entirely. Like I was kind of going back and forth. I almost felt bad for Half-Life. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> so is that your number four? Uh, no, it is not. Okay. But I'll explain. Okay. What do you have? Uh, my number four is actually DDR. Um, oh, wow. We were talking about. Yeah, I, I, I think this is this has to be up there. I mean, this <laughs> is something, especially in the late 90s, early 2000s, they created a, its own subculture. Like when I was in high school, this was a very, very popular thing. And I know in like California, in a lot of parts, they had like, not, they had like, professionals or something and on top of that i mean it, it took it took a culture that's known for being you know very lazy lazy and lethargic to somewhat physical exercise right yeah i think that's a really i think that's a good point it's like you, i mean this is a pretty active game oh yeah it's so funny to watch I, I never got into it it was never something i was a part of but right it was definitely it was definitely a very large thing i don't think anybody can deny that no you definitely can't deny that okay number three final fantasy seven I think you have to. I think you have to include Final Fantasy VII. It was nominated last year. It did not make the cut. I was pretty surprised. I think this year is. I, I feel like it just has to do it in the second year. It can't make it two years, and it can't miss it two years in a row being nominated both times. Uh, what if if it does fail? What if they'll nominate it again? I hope that they just keep nominating it until it, goes, until it makes it. <laughs> I, but yeah, I wondered that that would be interesting to see, but I just can't see it not making it again. This game is, you know, not as far reaching, I feel like as, as Metroid, but it, but as far as the fan base, it's like much, uh, really, I, I, I feel I think like those are much close. Like, I feel like final fantasy seven has a much more, maybe like devoted fan base. Like people who love final fantasy seven absolutely love the hell out of this game. 
Whereas Metroid, yeah, people really, really, really love the Metroid games. Um, maybe not as much as they love Final Fantasy VII, but I think more people like the Metroid games. I could be wrong about that. That's kind of how it seems to be. Final Fantasy VII uh, is not niche by any means, but I think it's slightly more niche than Metroid. That's interesting. I, I think they're very comparable, to be honest. I, but I, what but, I'd imagine popularity is. But I feel like the, just the sheer like enthusiasm that people have for Final Fantasy VII is what is what beats out Metroid for me. What do you have for number three? Number three is, I don't like to say this, but it's Minecraft. Um, same. Th- this uh, is why uh, I wanted to review the rules ahead of time. I mean, uh-huh. I think this game has to be inducted at some point. And, you know, this, why not this year? I mean, it, it is a culture. It's still a culture. It's a growing culture. I can't tell you how many of my coworkers go, oh, yeah, my kids are very into video games. So what do they do? Oh, they play Minecraft. Right. They do all these- <laughs> it, it's crazy. It, it, it's starting to turn into what StarCraft and uh, Warcraft 3 were for a lot of people because people are making sub games within the game. Yeah. And oh, like, yeah. creating their own maps and stuff. And I, I, that's exactly what StarCraft and Warcraft 3 was to everybody else. It was this platform where you could you know, make these different subtype games out of it. And it apparently teaches kids the word fuck. Yeah, all right. But I I 100% agree with you. It's it's a absolute I'm the last person that wants to say this, but I know. <laughs> I know. But the game is such a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um think I mean like think about how many copies this game has sold. Microsoft bought it for how many billion dollars did they buy it for? Like oh, I don't even remember. It was like a couple billion dollars they bought yeah. it for. Um I remember and they don't buy things for no reason. <laughs> I remember at one point like or it was it was when it was still in beta. I feel like it was it was like a different kind of popular in beta. It was like still it was very very popular, but it was like I guess it was a different popular with a different crowd. And um, at one point it was making like fifty thousand dollars like a day or so, or like a week or something absolutely ridiculous. It may have been fifty thousand dollars a day at one point that it was making. Jesus. And with you know with Think not. Yeah, it's fifty thousand a day. <laughs> it's like, uh, like in terms of just that's just crazy to think about. I know it's insane. Like, what if you could just go like buy a fucking like sweet car and it's like, oh, well, that's just how much money I made to, with. Yeah, I could I throw just, it out today because I'll just get another one tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Try to put up and throw in the garbage. <laughs> like every day, you can buy a new car and have and have money left over. Like <laughs> that's nuts. Um, all right, my number two is John Madden football. I had a feeling this was going to be on your list. I feel like this is getting this is kind of along the same lines of Minecraft. Where I mean, I, I I played a lot. I don't love the Madden series anymore. I did I did absolutely love it when I was younger. I played it so much growing up, but it's just had such a, an impact on games. On I guess on really on sports on the sports genre in general. Oh yeah, it's I mean you can't argue against just the fact that this has become an extremely enormous franchise throughout the years. Maybe not, you know, maybe there may have problems nowadays with various things. I I actually don't really know because I haven't played it in a long time. I I think that, I think maybe the kind of the complaint is without having played many of the games specifically recently, the complaint is like, well, what, what are like, they keep releasing new games every year because, you know, obviously there's new football seasons, but Yep. There's less and less that they can do to improve the game every year, and I can see that. I can see that argument. I can also see why to a lot of people it just doesn't really matter because obviously you got the you want to have the new updated rosters and all this kind of stuff. But um, I mean, 
everybody knows, everybody who, who knows what video games are is familiar with John Madden football. It's an extremely long lasting franchise. It's had a huge impact on sports games in general. And uh, it's, it basically has a monopoly on football games. It's like, as far as like, it almost doesn't get bigger than this as far as like game franchises go. Yeah, this was, this was not my, I'll say top six, but it was, I definitely debated for a little while. I was like, I'm like, man, this is, like we said, this is definitely one of the qualifiers, but mm-hmm. is it one of the higher ones? It's kind of hard to say. Yeah. All right. Number two. Ready? Yep. Number two. So my number two is actually Metroid. Um, I think Metroid should be higher on this list. I think Metroid has impacted so many different games since its origination that it's just, I'm amazed that it's not already in there. To be honest, like when I saw it, when you read it on the list last week, I was like, "That has to be an uh, that has to be a problem." Like I, I I thought it was nominated and entered a couple years ago, but I don't know. I think this is this is an easy has to be in there. Like don't even have to think about it type thing. Uh huh. I got you. I, I can I can see that for sure. All right. Um, number one. Are we ready for it? I'm ready for it. My number one is Minecraft (laughs) for the exact reasons you said, like this game is an absolute cultural phenomenon. People like, like you kind of hinted at this sort of as well, even like for kids who don't necessarily play like a ton of video games, they might just play only Minecraft. Oh yeah. Exactly right. This is like probably what my daughter spends like 60% of her like time that she spends video gaming is spent playing Minecraft. It's it's sold like like we were talking about like just just based on sheer sales numbers and how it's taken over like popular culture in so many or not taken over but I guess infused itself into popular culture in so many ways especially you know obviously against like younger generations but still it's extremely prevalent. Like I have not seen anything like this as far as like things just exploding insanely. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no video game that has, like, exploded this much, I guess. It just, like, become insanely popular. There have been very, very, very popular video games, but I, I've never seen anything like this. It, it, to me, it almost feels like the MMO of our kids' generations. Like, MMOs took off and That's came out point. of nowhere. And it was, like, the big thing. Like, if you weren't playing MMOs, what were you doing with your time? Probably being productive. <laughs> generally speaking like everybody was playing mmos and and that's that's when like it got so it got so bad to a point where domino's implemented a button into certain mmos where you could literally hit it and it would order the pizza without any, <laughs> anything else you just hit it and it would be there like that's amazing yeah so that'd be cool so crazy it, they should make it a spell that you have to cast oh god please no <laughs> and you know i guess we're we might not be doing minecraft and like enough justice right now like i know it's not a game that you love it's not a game that i love i i, I did play it when it, i played it a little bit when it was in beta and i had a fun time when it was like when it didn't sort of have like the stigma that it kind of does now and also it was a lot more open in the sense that like you kind of just like go in and choose your own thing to do uh it was a little it was it was fun back then but also it, it was it's a very original game in the sense that there wasn't any other game like this where it's like you're going out and building your own stuff and doing whatever you want, but it's done all in game. It's like your own character in the game is the one building this. It's not like Sim City or something like that, where it's like you're controlling the game and deciding what's what. It's like, oh no, you're this guy in the game. You have to go out and harvest all the resources to do all this stuff that you want to do. That was a really novel idea. And they did, they incorporated a lot of really cool 
some really impressive stuff into this game. So uh, I, I do want to give it give it credit for that, even though it's not well, the type of game that I you I think you like. hit on the head, though. I mean, neither one of us plays this game. Like, I, I played it very, very briefly, but I never got into it. So it's mm-hmm. like, I, it's hard for us to do justice for a game we haven't played. Sure. All right. Uh, <laughs> number one, Jay, what you got? Number one, speaking of fanboys here, um, this is kind of what I was pushing back on. I, I put Final Fantasy VII on here. Okay, good. I, I think I think it has to be. I mean, so much of Metroid, I think those are the two titles for me that really have to be inducted this year. Maybe Minecraft as a third, but Final Fantasy VII is so iconic. It has such a cult following. I mean, look how excited everybody was Final Fantasy VII II got announced for newer systems. Like, you can't deny how big this game is. It just has such a strong following. And yeah, I, I think it's really revolutionized a lot of different aspects of gaming, obviously RPGs. Yeah, and you know, another thing is that I feel like it's really accessible as an RPG. Even people who don't really love RPGs, I feel like can have a have a lot of fun playing this game because it, there's not a whole lot of grinding, but there's a whole lot of like fun. Like the story's really good. There's a whole lot of like neat little exploring you can do. There's lots of little like not many. I I say mini games, but not not in the sense of like the golden saucer, but like more in the sense that there's more than you're doing than yeah. just fighting. Oh, yeah. You know, like there's a variety of stuff to do. Yeah, and that way it doesn't get boring. That, that's why people are like, oh, it's so grind heavy. It's like, well, it's not. You just kind of have to do everything, and as you're doing things, you sort of don't get burned out on it as long as you're rotating between all these different objectives. And it's like, well, I just want to grind and be. Well, yeah, that then it's going to be boring. But if you don't actually yeah. enjoy the game, then it's completely different. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I, I like. I, I was. I was. I was almost certain Final Fantasy VII was going to be your last. Be your last one, but I wasn't sure. I was. It was a struggle. And and my last two after this were Call of Duty and Half Life. I think Call of Duty. Um, Again, similar to Minecraft, not a huge fan of it, but it has spawned a massive culture. And it's, I mean, they, they keep releasing new, more and more titles and people keep buying these games, even though oh, they yeah. keep complaining about them. And right. it's, it's yeah. so crazy to me. <laughs> and Half-Life is, is a special place in my heart. I'll be honest with you, I don't even know if I could see Half-Life getting inducted to this at some point. Just with how many other games should be in front of it, uh-huh. I think it'll be a while before I'm comfortable with saying, yeah, put it in. Like, there's I got gotcha. you. It takes you a while think? to get comfortable before saying, yeah, put it in. Yeah, put it in exactly. No, um, but seriously, no. I think that's a good. I, mean, I think that you know when you first started saying that, I was like, no, I could see it no, going. It's Half Life, yeah, right. But yeah, exactly. It's Half Life. But I mean, if you put it that way, yeah. There, I, I, I feel two ways about this. One, I, I, on one hand, I do agree because yeah, there are, is plenty of stuff that should go in before Half Life. But then on the other hand, you could probably argue that about a lot of the games that ha- that have been inducted yeah. so far. Like there are, there's plenty of stuff that I think. That I, that I would probably say Final Fantasy should go before, you know? Um, so I don't know. I could kind of see it going, going you know, I, I would think John Madden football would have already been in there as well. Uh, you probably feel the same way about Metroid, it sounds yeah. like. <clears throat> but well, um, and I mean, John, John Madden's also, I mean, I, I think should be pretty far up on that list. I'm okay with that one being inducted for mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, I kind of feel similar to Call of Duty. Like, just like you were saying, I feel kind of, I do kind of feel also similar about Call of Duty. That probably would have been, you know, I, I probably would have had Half-Life as my number five, but then, but maybe to kind of hear you say, it, maybe not, maybe I would put Call of Duty above Half-Life because like you said, it's, it's, it's also kind of created so its own thing where it has such a strong following mm-hmm. that even if it's not a game that you or I like, then it's, it's, it's undeniable the, the impact exactly. it's had. That's the big thing. It doesn't matter how you feel about it, but how much has it really impacted? Like Honey Pop. Like, we all hate it. But, <laughs> but think about the impact it's had. That's for you, Robert. 
It's had an such an impact on my Saturday nights. A lot more masturbating. Yeah, that was the joke. Uh, I don't sure have. Understands. <laughs> Thanks. Um, good lists. I don't know what we should do for our top for our next top five. Um, I just now thought about it. I don't... Yeah, do we have a do we have a list of things we can do? Right. I'm Did looking at it right back? now, and I'm not seeing anything uh-huh. good. I've got best beat 'em ups. We could do that. I don't know if we've done that before. Best shoot 'em ups. Um, beat 'em ups might be might be good. We can consider that. Um, top three ways. I might actually play one for this week then, because I don't. I haven't played too many beat 'em ups. I might play a few real quick. And just kinda... Oh man, I played a couple this past weekend. Have you? Or this past week, rather. Uh, let's see. I have top three ways you see modern games differently after playing so many old games. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know if we came up with that or somebody wrote in with that suggestion. Press it. Okay, that's a possibility. Um, top three ideas for minor character spinoff games. Have we done that? I don't think think so. I don't think so either. That might be a good one. I'd be okay with that. You want to do it? You're going to just run with it? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, minor character spinoff game ideas. We It's possible we may have done this before, but I don't think we have, so uh, I'll put it in our chat. Well, actually, I'm not gonna, that's going to be useless because we're going to have so many emails in there in a second. But uh, I'll put it in the CGP chat. How about that? All right, top f- so, all right, so our next top five is going to be our top five ideas for minor character spinoff games. Uh, obviously, it would probably be best if we chose minor characters that don't already have spinoff games. Um, anything else? Do you think any other stipulations to add on to that? Or is that, is that, you think that covers it? Damn it. I've been talking to you this whole time. I was wondering what we are doing. Because I went to our other chat to, to paste that into the CG, into the CGP chat. And then like, I ended up accidentally joining that room <laughs> as I was doing that. And I've just been talking to you this whole time. How's water for I'm like, what is he on? Um, so, so the next top five is, uh, now I've lost it. Top five ideas for minor character spinoff games. Uh, obviously it'd probably be best to choose games that choose characters that don't already have their spinoff games. So they can, these can be new ideas. Do you think, is there any other stipulation that you can think to add to that? No, that? I think that's pretty good. All right. We'll run with that then. Mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Send us in your top five games, uh, game ideas for minor character spinoffs. And with that, it's time to go into emails. All right, first one, first up, first up at bat, we got an email from Samuel. Samuel says, I'm going to make sure I'm still recording, yes. Samuel says, hey guys, I feel kind of silly. Um, hold on, first, uh, his subject line is, everyone made history last episode and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Uh, hey guys, I feel kind of silly for forgetting to write in last episode. Somehow, it just completely slipped my mind. And it nearly happened again this time had I not read on Twitter that you were recording this weekend. So I'm tossing so I'm tossing an email out before I forget again. Saying I have the memory of a goldfish is an insult to goldfish. 
Here are my top four picks for the games that should go into the Strong National Museum of Play. All right, here we go. Number four, he's got Space War. It was one of the first video games. Pretty sure that merits entry into any museum related to video games. Can't argue with that. Yes, sir. Number three, Asteroids. One of the first major arcade game hits and still a fun game to play nearly 40 years later. Definitely deserves a spot. Number two, Final Fantasy VII. I can't deny the influence game had, this game had over the RPG genre over the past 20 years. Still talked about as one of the greatest games of all time. I need to play this one of, the, one of these days. Yes, you definitely should, Samuel. I, even I love Final Fantasy VII. That's a good one. And number one, Metroid. Not necessarily my favorite game, but it invented the Metroidvania genre, one that remains one of my favorite genres and one that perseveres to this day. Plus, it had the first major female protagonist in video games, so it's groundbreaking on multiple levels. Yeah, that's a good point also. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see... Uh, you know, he, I agree with what he says about Space War and Asteroids, even though I wouldn't change my list. But reading this, I kind of wonder if... It makes me feel like Asteroids is probably going to make it. Yeah, I, I have a feeling it would. But again, it wasn't one that I selected, but I had a feeling it would make it through, to be honest. Yeah, we'll see. Samuel says, last thing for now. I found out about three weeks too late that I can't buy Wii Points on the Wii Shop channel. This means I won't be able to pick up most virtual console games I would have liked to get before the service shuts down next year. I'm totally not crying right now. Oh, that sucks. I wonder if it's the same for Wii U. Probably not. I think it's just, I bet it's just Wii. Because currently, I was thinking about this, or I was looking into this, uh, the Mother Collection, or, you know, the Earthbound Collection, is uh, you can is is only available on Wii U. Like, as far as Mother 1 and Mother 3, you know? Uh, yeah. Unless you, the only way to get them besides, like, on an emulator, or on, like, a Famicom slash, or a Super Famicom, is to get the uh, Wii U earthbound collection even on 3ds they have earthbound but they don't have mother or mother three so uh i need to do that before they shut down that stuff that'll probably be i would hope that that would be a while because obviously we you can you know that was much more recent so hopefully that'll be up for a while still uh samuel says my question for you this time have you ever been interested in a game but waited too long to pick it up and it either sold out slash became incredibly difficult to find or was taken off digital marketplaces, making it impossible to buy. Ooh. I feel like I have something like this, but I don't know what. There are games that, um, you know, there are games that like, especially online games that I just never got around to that I would like to have played, but now it's like there's basically not a uh, good way to play them online or like a player base anymore. Like, I guess I would say um, the original Star Wars Battlefront. Ooh. That was just like the new ones, like where it's primarily online, correct? Yeah, I believe so. That's a good one, though. I'm trying to think what else would... Um, Another one, even though I guess there still kind of is an online component to it. You said that a lot of people still do play age of empires online, right? Yeah. A decent amount. Okay. So I would say that, except I guess apparently there are still a lot of people that play that. Although at the same time, everybody is probably so far past where I could ever be as far as skill level goes that I feel like that's a train that I kind of missed out on. Yeah. And honestly, once a meta is fully discovered, 
uh, game becomes pretty boring. It's just, oh, sure. It, it's just a matter of learning the builds and understanding what your opponent is doing. Like That's why Warcraft 3, though, is an excellent game, is kind of boring to watch competitively because the meta is so defined. Uh-huh. Like You pretty much go one of X amount of builds and paper, rock, scissors, etc. Is there anything else? Is there anything that you can think of? I think those are good ones. I'm trying to think what else might... I'm trying to think of anything. I know something will pop out later when I'm falling asleep or something. Uh, you know, um, Quake is one. Is that purely? Oh, I guess right. Uh, well, no, it's not purely online, but it's it's like m- multiplayer Quake is like the reason people played Quake more or less. It's kind of like Unreal Tournament as well. Unreal Tournament was uh, like, yeah, I did would... like an RPG one and they had a multiplayer one as well. I don't think that they hadn't. I don't think there was an RPG. Yeah, for Unreal, um, there was like it was like an RPG co-op thing. Unreal the Tournament. Yeah, it was like there was um, neutral mobs, or not neutral, but they were aggressive mobs that would come in and you would level up and gain experience and gain new abilities. <laughs> what the hell? I've never heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People crazy. The show. It was super fun. It was one of the, my favorite things about playing that game. Well, I played, yeah, that would have been on my list, but I but I did play Unreal Tournament when it came out, but uh, Quake was one that I, that I never played. I've never, well, I played the campaign for, of the first one a few months ago for the podcast, and that's it. I wish I had played those growing up, just so I could, like, at least, you know, know about them a little bit more. Uh, I can't think of anything else. You, <clears throat> there's nothing else you can think of? No, those are probably probably most of the main ones. I think those might qualify. No. No? Not at the moment. Okay. Uh, that's all for now. I'll try to remember to write in next time, though as we have established before, I have the memory of a third-party memory card. That's a good one. I like that reference. Keep on doing what you're doing and stay awesome. Thanks, Samuel. All right, Jay, we got one from Jonathan. This looks like a short one. Oh, nice of you, Robert. Oh, it is for one. <laughs> Starts by saying, <laughs> hey, guys, happy 420. Um, I've been swamped with grad school stuff. Fortunately, don't have a novel for you today, but I can't keep letting Chase dominate the emails by himself. Rob, you should play classic DBZ game. I bet you'd love... Hold on, hold on. You'd love how... Can you, hold on. Can you start over... Uh, like I was getting like eighty. No, 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 no. I was listening. Uh, I okay. I get, like you're kind of lagging a little bit. I got like eighty five percent of everything you just oh, said. Okay. I thought you like didn't record again. I was like, <laughs> go ahead. Okay. Give it a shot. Uh, starting from the beginning. Uh, so Jonathan says, "Hey guys, happy four twenty. I've been swamped with grad school stuff and unfortunately don't have a novel for you today. But I can't keep letting Chase dominate the emails by himself. Uh, Rob, you should play classic a classic DBZ game. I bet you'd love how not monotonous, monotonous." god can you read that <laughs> not monotonous it is monotonous. i think Thank i was you. tripping you up with having to say not before it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but so so are the dread are the like old dbc games are they i'm assuming this is sarcastic I'm, does that mean they are monotonous do you know anything about these I, I all i remember from these games is they were i did not enjoy them very okay much. the so classic ones okay. were really frustrating yeah okay that's i remember there was like certain bosses i got to and i could not beat them no matter how many times i tried i read online and people were like yeah it's just really poorly code i'm like what like it's just <laughs> it's just really hard you just have to be better i'm like what the fuck like this is so stupid okay that's good to know i don't seem that far in either <laughs> like, um, and then he goes on to top four games for the hall of fame of course final fantasy 7 mm-hmm. then metroid half-life and Madden. wow <laughs> So close to my list. Everything except for uh, uh, trade Half-Life for Minecraft. It's true. 
Um, and he said, he goes on to say, oh, and I won't honor this list until Chrono Trigger is on there. Later, dudes, and back to my finals. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, that, that's kind of one of those ones we were talking about. But I think categorically, they might break it up, say, like, okay, what's the number one RPG we want to get through this year? I don't think they really. I don't. I don't think they really think about it that way. Okay, then they're garbage because I think Half Life should not be on here, and Chrono Trigger should have been. <laughs> I guess actually, Chrono Trigger doesn't qualify as much though. Chrono well, Trigger is just a really good game. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I kind of feel the same way. Like, it's not like revolutionary. It's just super good. Yeah, and maybe that's why it is. Maybe that's why it should be on the list. Is just to to put it in, just to say, listen, this game's fucking good, and this is why it qualifies. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that too. Now? I think, it, I think, just being good is a good enough reason to. Uh, if it's the best, you know, which it is, right, definitely one of the best games. Yeah, I but this, but, okay. but I feel like just being the best is also comparable to being like extremely popular. For instance, as far as the yeah. Hall of Fame goes. Yeah, like extremely popular for a long amount of time, or something. Right. Yeah, okay. We've been agreeing a lot today. I don't like this. <laughs> we have to talk about Honey Pop or... Uh... Oh, God. <laughs> there we go. There we go. There it is. Solid, that's, what I wanted, that's what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one from Chase the Night Cleaner. Uh, hello, gentlemen. Chase the Night Cleaner here with a last-minute email. See the title of the email? Uh, his title is, This is Not an Email of Substance. What was Jonathan's title, by the way? Uh, I made it. Okay. With an exclamation mark. Chase says, see the title of the email, but I will make this quick as this section has been hopping lately. Compliments of some great contributors and work has been very busy due to tax season on my end. I didn't know that. I didn't know that Canadian tax season was the same as a uh, U.S. tax season. That's interesting. Maybe his company is maybe saying it got busy because of U.S. taxes. Maybe not Canadian taxes. What, do you know what you're talking about? I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's what it sounds. I don't know. Possibly. Uh, question of the day. What is one game that you feel really helps you relieve stress? And how do you think it works to relieve said stress? Wow. I, I think anything hmm. not PVP is relaxing to me. Like something uh -huh. that I'm not competing against another person where I'm just kind of relaxed. Generally speaking. Now there are some very frustrating, you know, single player games, but generally on games where you're playing if you're playing with people against ai those usually are very relaxing to me and if i'm playing against ai it's usually very relaxed it's just against a human your mind just has to go so it just has to work so much harder yeah it, it does for sure i i agree with that i think for me um i don't know about necessarily relieving stress but like the more relaxing games to me are um uh, I would say like grand strategy games or any kind of turn-based strategy game um, because, and I'm thinking specifically of Europa Universalis and Stellaris because, uh, so there's a couple things. One, like you said, it's not PVP. Uh, so you don't have to worry about what the other person's doing. Two, it's not like a, uh, like a Twitch-based game, obviously at all. So you don't have to like, you know, kind of, have all your senses a hundred percent alert while you're playing or anything like that. It's uh you can take it at your own pace and it's also not like, it's not like an RPG where there are kind of long stretches where you don't, where you're not like doing much and you just kind of have to go through the motions of defeating bad mm -hmm. guys. It kind of has me, if I'm going to, if I'm going to like at the end of the day, for instance, and I'm like, maybe I'm stressed or maybe just like my brain is tired from working. 
that I have a hard time playing RPGs, even though they're, you know, kind of generally slow paced, I would say. I still have a hard time playing them because it's like I have a hard time paying attention and staying, especially staying interested through parts where I'm like grinding, for instance, because like my brain's already so tired. If I start playing an RPG at that point and I get to like a part where I have to grind for 10 or 15 minutes, I'm going to like be on the verge of falling asleep because I'm just not alert enough and it's not engaging me enough to, to stay alert and just, and to keep paying attention. Whereas something like Europa Universalis or Stellaris or games like that, uh, and, and also some like tactics type games are sort of the same. It's, I can take it at my own pace. It's turn-based, so I don't have to do anything extremely fast. And it's constantly engaging me. I'm having to, like, there, there's a loop where it's like, it's feeding me information. And I have to actually kind of think about what I'm going to do next. It'll, like, maybe a random event will occur, and I have to think about how I'm going to, you know, tackle this or that problem. I'm thinking about, you know, what to do with my resources. I'm thinking about whether I want to try conquering another country or what I'm going to do diplomatically. There's no, there's no like pure autopilot. Well, you know, maybe there are some little stretches where there's not much going on. So I might speed up the time to I get to the next you know, point where I need to make some sort of decision, but it's not like, it's not like I'm just going through the motions of grinding. It's, it's constantly giving me something to think about and it's engaging me. Like it's engaging my, it's making me have to think about things. So I don't get bored with it and I don't start kind of like falling asleep almost uh, as if I was like, you know, watching a movie and I was really tired or something like that. Do you know what the worst I found to play when you're stressed out and you don't want somebody stressful? Oh, legitimately is RTSs against people. Oh, RTS. I can see that. I, I bet. Yeah. Oh my God. Like the second you start losing, your mind just takes this downward spiral. And if like, if you had a long day, your, your mind just like, you know, this, this is what you expect. Like, it's just like your mind gets so negative so quick and. Oh, just RTS is such a, just a, <laughs> like a tidal wave of emotions. They're the opposite of what Chase is asking for. They are, if you're not stressed yeah. and you want to get stressed, then go play yeah, an RTS. That's a pretty good, or if you're not pissed off and you want to get pissed off, yeah. like you're about to go weightlifting or something, this is where you go. Oh man, I never, I feel like StarCraft 2, I've never gotten so mad so many times about a game than I have about that. Like, oh, yeah. and just mad at myself, you know, like not necessarily like mad at the other person, but be like, I'm such a fucking idiot. How did I lose to this fucking? How did I, I lose to that fucking idiot? I must be a a bigger fucking idiot, type thing. Like the only, the only time I really got frustrated at that game was one one one. One 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 was was legitimately like the oh the the build one. the the Terran build. Yeah, the the Terran build where you get one tank, one I forget what it was. Exactly. No, it was like it one. Was like, it was one barracks, one armory, and one uh one starport. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was just it was just so poorly imbalanced. It was just so frustrating. And it, it was not like I played Zerg at that point. I went from Protoss to playing Zerg and playing Protoss as it, like or excuse me, playing as Zerg, I played pretty damn well and I would never win against that build. Oh, really? Even against people who are substantially worse than me. Yeah, like if if they goofed the build at all, they had no macro, they had no follow-up strategy, they had no plan of action. They were ju- they were usually like terrible players. But it was uh-huh. just such a powerful build. And the timing it hit, I don't know if you remember how nasty it was, but you only really had ro- uh, roaches and, and zerglings to, to defend against siege tanks with uh, marines. I think it was marines with, I want to say, combat shields. And then you had medevacs. And it was just such a punishing strategy. <laughs> I remember the one... Banshees, excuse me, not, not the one that used to piss me off most was the, um, was the Protoss build where like they would basically turtle while they built up to colossus oh yeah and that was oh, yeah. so hard to beat as zerg especially if they were like especially if it was a big map 
and you couldn't like yep. get to their base quick enough to rush them. You had to have, I feel like you had to have the exact right. I mean, it was definitely beatable, but I feel like you had to have the exact right composition to be able to, to beat them. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Or like, maybe I just sucked against it, but it was, no. that, that build was really powerful. I think it was two base Colossus. You, you, oh shit. Uh, I, I think it was two base Colossus, if I'm not mistaken. And maybe. <clears throat> The one thing I hate about going back to one 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 is even if you scouted it, even if the guy you started the game, the guy said, "Listen, I'm gonna one 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 you." Okay, right? <laughs> you could literally build against it perfectly uh-huh. and still fucking lose. <laughs> yeah, and it was just so yeah, it was just so frustrating. People who were good at microing banshees were just dirt nasty. I was just so frustrating against that. Used that's the worst feeling. Where it's like I know what you're doing, but I'm not gonna be able to do anything about it. Right literally built and I, I was a pretty decent player and i still stood no chance against against it yeah all right um chase says for me either grinding an rpg or a fun time playing mario kart is usually enough to get me back in a good mood or at least not thinking about the things that were bugging me and that is it nice short and simple hope there are other folks towing the line this week in this section but if not i hope that you are all having a good night Thanks, Robert and Jay, for everything you do. And talk again soon. Cheers. Chase, the kind of busy night cleaner. Awesome. All right, last Cheers. one. We have, an, we have Jonathan wrote in with a second email. This one's even shorter than the first. Why don't you take Jonathan's second email? Okay, let's see. Wow. Wait, what? That's, that's it. it? That's it. What's going on here, Robert? I don't know. Did everybody get lazy due to the holiday this weekend? Is that what's going on here? Is this the heavy <laughs> the holiday? I don't maybe know if that's it. the podcast around this. I don't, maybe that's it, but I feel like the podcast was on the day of the holiday, so everybody should have written in before then anyways. It's true. All right. He says, are you guys still taking requests? Jay, you should play Sayuki Journey West and review. do a review for the podcast. Don't wait. Do it now. Let me put this whole second here. That's the whole You heard of this? Nope. Yeah, that is the entire email. This looks like a base strategy. Oh, it's tactic. Tactic. Uh, you're you're in it. Let's see. PS one. Looks kind of interesting. Graphics are pretty good, actually. Looks like a kind of like a cross between Final Fantasy Tactics and Disgaea, but more Final Fantasy Tactics. Maybe I'm just saying that just because huh. those are like the only two tactics I this down. that I know of. Yeah, I'll write this down actually. Um, to answer your question, Jonathan, we, I I would say we're always taking suggestions. I would call them suggestions rather than requests. Um, because like I said, here's my magic this week at a request. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always feel free to say, Hey, you should play this game or I'd like for you guys to play this game. I will not, I I won't guarantee, but at all that we actually will. But a lot of times it's like, Oh, I'll check this out. And then if it looks cool, then we might give it a shot. Um, Mm -hmm. Because when we first started the podcast, we were like, send us your requests because we just like wanted people to write in and tell us what what they wanted us to play. But then like, as we started getting requests every now and then I found that like a lot of times I'm just like, I don't really want to play that. And like, if I, if I'm playing a game for the podcast and it's not a game that like I wanted to play for some reason, whether it's, I didn't, even if it's a bad game, you know, it might be like, oh, I didn't know about this game. Let me, let me, you know, I've heard about this, but I don't know much about it. I want to try it out. Mm-hmm. Or I've heard this game is so terrible. I want to try it out. But if it's a game that's like that for even good or bad, 
I'm just not interested in trying out, then I like, I feel, first of all, I get really bored playing it. And then once I start talking about it on the podcast, I feel like I can't, I can't do it justice because if maybe it was a good game, but it wasn't one that I felt like playing at the time. So I just like pushed myself to play it and ended up having a terrible time. And then I have to either talk about disliking it, even though it might be a good game or like try to be like, try to force myself to figure out what's good about it. Even though I like, wasn't in the right mindset to really appreciate it at the time. And we don't want to fake things, right? Exactly. So yeah. So it just doesn't really work out if it's not one that I'm like actually wanting to try for one reason or another. Um, but at the same time, feel free to send in your suggestions because somebody might suggest something and it could be something that we've been on the fence about trying, or it might be one that like we hadn't heard of. And we look at it kind of like this one and be like, Oh, that looks cool. Yeah. Maybe I'll give that a shot. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I hope that answers your question. That being said, Jonathan, I think it was Jonathan that around, I don't know, at some point recently, he sent us a list of games that he said he would like to us for us to review on the podcast. I will, I am going to try to, since I feel like since he's done all this stuff, like where he like chronicled all the times we do this and that, like all, you know, all these times on the podcast. Sure. Uh, I, I wanted to at least entertain his, uh, his suggestions that he had last time. One of the games that he asked us to play was, uh, was the original Duke Nukem, which was a side scroller. I do plan on getting to that one. Hopefully, I can't say soon necessarily, but I hope, hopefully sometime like this year, I want to get to that one just to, uh, just because I feel like I owe it to Jonathan to do something that he's asked us to do. So, uh, Jonathan, yeah, I can agree with that. John, yeah. So Jonathan, I do hope to get to Duke Nukem. But yeah, I think so. As for the rest of it, I think I already answered your question. So uh, yeah, feel free to send in any suggestions that you might have if you want us to think about checking something out. All right, time for current gaming subcast. Um, do you have anything? No, like I said, I mean, most of my time right now, uh, just kind of hanging out, and I played a decent amount of a new private server, but that's that's pretty much what I'm dumping most of my time into. It's called World of Warcraft. What's this game about? Yeah, it's called World of Warcraft. Yeah, right. I've been I'm playing. Somebody, I'm about to kill somebody. Oh, got him! <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was so good. It's like Vietnam. I'm telling you. Okay. Uh, I've been playing. Two, I've got two games. I went back. We talked about this game um, on our top 100 list, and this was one of the ones where, it was like, after I was talking about, it, I was like, I really wish I put it, would have put this higher on my list. And then somebody else had it on their list for something. I don't remember if it was one of their top five games ever or if it was something else, some other list that they were giving us games for. But anyway, it's Banner Saga. I went back and replayed it because partly because I got myself all hyped up about it once once again, talking about it and remembering how good it is. But also, I'd like to play the sequels. They're about to come out with the third and I believe final one. Um and it's been so long since I played the first one, and this is a fairly, pretty heavily story-based game. So I wanted to kind of, I didn't really remember a whole lot about the story specifics. I just kind of remember in general what the arc was. So I wanted to go back and play that again, since it's such a good game, and so that I would be, once again, like kind of refresh my memory for going back and playing Banner Saga 2, and then eventually <laughs> the third one. So uh, I played that, and I hopefully will play 2 pretty soon. Uh, it was still a very awesome game. It, and I, I keep... I can't get over how well they strike the balance between story elements in the game. And then like the actual tactical combat, like, like I said, it's kind of like a, I think I told you this is kind of like Oregon trail in a way where it's like, 
so this this or that happened then you have to decide like what to do and almost in a way in some cases sort of like the walking dead even it's like oh well, we have this conundrum this 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 thing came up with with the people that you're that you're uh kind of in charge of what are you going to mm-hmm. do to solve what are you going to do to address this problem or to solve this issue uh and there's all there's lots of stuff like that and it's like you never know exactly what the outcome is going to be but you got to sort of like just do the best you can and see what happens and then there's the actual combat which is uh really really fun it's 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 wow it's tactics based combat so it's turn-based it's on a grid and all that and um what's really interesting about it is it has a really cool mechanic for how uh, strength really for how strength works specifically so your guys all your all your characters have basically two stats um one is strength and one is armor strength is the damage you deal but it's also your hp so if you so if your strength gets down to one then you're only doing one damage it's like you're That's weakened weird. yeah and then armor is of course what you would expect. It's like how much damage somebody else does to you. If they have basically the damage that somebody does to you is the difference between their strength and armor. So if they have, if they have 12 strength and you have eight armor, then they hit you is going to do four damage. And you can attack when you attack somebody, you can attack either their armor or their strength. So you can try attacking their armor. So that diminishes that. So that later attacks will do more damage against them or And, you know, in a lot of games, that would be, like, the strategy. Like, get their armor down and then start attacking them. But sometimes you might fight somebody who has really high strength. And you're like, even if it's just a little bit, I gotta attack this guy's strength right now. Because if he hits me, he's gonna, like, start one-shotting my guys. So, even though it's not gonna do as much damage, I just gotta do this to get his strength down just a little bit. And then maybe maybe I'll attack his armor and then go back to attacking his strength. And uh, and it also has another neat thing to it, whereas... You know, normally in any game like this, you're fighting the, you know, the the bad guys or whatever. And you're essentially focusing down one person at a time, right? Because, like, it doesn't make sense to get somebody down to 90, to, you know, like 10% health and then attack somebody else. Because then that guy is still attacking you and he's still doing damage. So you want to kill him off so it's less people fighting. Makes sense. Well, with this, with this mechanic, it does make sense to sometimes leave somebody nearly dead and then move on to somebody else. Because if you get somebody down to one health then they're barely doing any damage. So it might make yeah. sense to move on and start attacking other people in that sense. Uh, it's a really unique mechanic and they, and it really works very well. The, the, the fights were very challenging, uh, but, but always very fair too. I felt like at the same time. So uh, it's just, a, just a, such an all around great game. The other one that I played is a new game where well, I, I believe it's been in like a closed beta for a really long time. But they just, it's its just been released openly on Steam. And I think it's still actually in beta maybe on Steam, but uh, anybody can buy it now. It's called Spy Party. This is a... Oh, I saw this. Did you? <laughs> I'm so glad you're going to talk about this. I was wondering about this. Oh, man. It's 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 really interesting game. And it's really fun, too. So Spy Party is a game. It's, it's a multiplayer game. It's always your, you versus one other player. And one person is a sniper. And one person is a spy and the sniper is trying to figure out who the spy is and kill him. And you are the other player. You play the spy and you're essentially at kind of like a dinner party. And there are anywhere from like eight to, it depends on the difficulty that you're playing at, but there's basically a whole room of people and they are all AI controlled except for you. 
and uh, and you're and you're the spy, and everybody else is basically a, a normal just person at the party. And you have these objectives that you have to complete at the party. And it's usually like a lot of the times it's uh, here are eight objectives that you can do. And in order to complete your mission, you have to do any four of them. And it might be like there are all there. There are always like statues, these little like kind of busts essentially sitting out at the party. You can uh, trade out a statue. So like you, you, you are carrying one and you can like pick up a statue. Everybody will like the, including the AI characters, they'll all always like every once in a while, they'll walk up to a statue and kind of like pick it up and just look at it. And you can do the same thing, but also swap it out to be a different statue when you put it down. Like that's one of your missions. And, um, or you can like another thing that you have to do is there's an ambassador always at the party and you have to plant a bug on him, which just basically means you walk up next to him and you like gently put your hand on him and that's it. And then there are uh, a few other things. I'm trying to remember every, I'm trying to remember all of them. I'll just give one more example. Uh, one is, oh God, now I can't even think of another example. Uh, there's one where you, oh, there's one where you have to, uh, co- there's a double agent there and you have to contact the double agent, which means you have to go up to him and say like a code word. And the code word is always banana bread. And, but when you say that, then the, uh, the, the, the sniper who's watching all of this can hear the word banana bread be said. And so that makes him suspicious to, as to anybody who might be talking to anybody else at the time. So, the sniper, while you're doing all these things, is watching the party from like from from the outside, and the sniper has one bullet, and he's trying to figure out who the spy is and shoot the spy before time runs out. And so the spy is trying to get the missions done before time runs out. If the spy does not get all the missions done, then he loses. And obviously, if the spy gets shot, he loses. The sniper wins if the sp- if the spy doesn't get the missions done, or if he shoots the spy. And he gets one chance. If you shoot the wrong guy, then it's mission over and you lose. And so the sniper is all, so it's the sniper is controlled by a person. The spy is controlled by a person. And so it's the sniper is always trying to figure out who the spy is based on trying to watch people to see if they do any of these things. It also try to make sure, try, try to watch them to see if like, it looks like something that a human player would be doing and not an AI player. So it's kind of twofold in that sense. You're, you're not only are you trying to do these missions, but you're trying to act like an AI controlled character. So you don't just give yourself away. And, uh, so like if you see, if you're the sniper and you see somebody going over to a statue, then you're going to probably be watching them closely to see if like it's a different statue when they put it down. But at the same time, there are tons of other things that you have to be looking at at the same time. So if you are the guy trying to trade out the statue, you sort of have to like hope that the sniper isn't, isn't looking at you when you trade it out or, you know, you might do it when there are a bunch of people in between you and the sniper. So hopefully he won't notice. Or sometimes, you know, you might just walk up to a statue, look at it and then put it down without switching it out just to kind of make it seem like that you're an AI character and then, and that you're not necessarily doing anything. Uh, that's a mission. So it's, it's a really fun. It's a really fun game where you're trying to act like you're just a con- computer controlled character, not do anything like, that's going to make you stand out in any way. And then when you're the sniper, you're trying to figure out who is this real person uh, that's just trying to act like an AI controlled character and, uh, and which one are actually AI. It's a really fun game. So every time, every time you play, it trades off like one person's the sniper the first time and then it does a second one and it just goes back and forth as long as you're playing with the same person. It's a, it's really fun. And also like the community is actually really nice. Like there were so many games where I'd play 
And we would finish a game and the guy would be like, oh, good job. I can't believe you did that. Or like, you know, like, oh, how'd you know it was me? Or like, you know, if I lost, if I lost, the other person might be like, oh, yeah, I was able to know that was you because I could see like, you know, when you did this or that, like you accidentally did a little stutter step, which, you know, like the AI won't do. So I saw that and that's, that's how I knew it was you. I haven't like actually encountered one rude person yet. It's kind of, it's kind of mind blowing. But uh, anyway, really int- like a game for me, then <laughs> really a uh, good idea for a game. It's it's one of those ideas it's like, how has, no- how has nobody thought of this until now? Um, and it's executed pretty well. It's, 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 it's a little bit buggy still. It's still got a few kinks to work out, but uh, I had a lot of fun with it. God, I, I'm probably going to pick this up in the near future. Oh, man, we we'll, we'll we'll have to do. we have to play if, oh, if, yeah. if you buy it. For sure. All right. I think that does it for this 103rd episode of the classic gaming podcast subscribe to us on itunes leave us more importantly leave us reviews on well maybe not more importantly sick, nasty itunes reviews sick almost as importantly leave us sick nasty itunes reviews send us email mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. write in about whatever you feel like and if you feel like including your top four uh or, t- or rather top five ideas for minor character spinoff games feel free to do so uh, follow us at Class Games Cast on Twitter. I'm at King Octavius. Tell your friends to listen to us. I dropped my dice. Did you hear that? I did. You hear me killing somebody? I, I can, yeah. Yes, I can. Good. And that's what I want you to hear. If is there anything else? Jay, you got any uh final words for our listeners? Nope. Just fighting. Okay. Alright, Jay's gonna keep playing his game. I'll say bye on his behalf. Thank you everybody for listening. Right, well. We will see you in two weeks.